kind of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it and what were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations to all my fellow Skywatchers. Once again, thank you all for being here with us on this broadcasting evening, live on this wonderful night of July 25th. 2017, and of course coming to you at ludicrous speed right before we hit Plaid direct from New Logic Studios in Miami, Florida, which is located on what some would say is the third rock from the sun. Others, like the other guy, call it Aspen. I like to call it Earth. That's right, folks. This is Skywatchers Radio, broadcasting from Earth. To all intergalactic listeners, I'd like to say again, folks, remember, always keep in mind, if you flippity-flip-floppity when you zip, zippity-bop-pop-boom, you're going to have a bip-zap-zoobity-bop-pop-pop-pop on your boom-boom. So careful, guys and gals, it's very dangerous, okay? Very, very, very dangerous, especially in the boom-boom area. Flat Earthers, uh, all two of you listening in right now, please take a seat. Listen in. Uh, thank you all for being here. Uh, take a seat and uh, draw a line. Take a chair. Welcome. Of course, I am uh, Angel Espino, as always. And uh, with me, uh, not right now, but will soon with me, it will soon with, be with me here is my radio hetero life mate, the one and only, the other guy. But he is actually uh, running a little bit late. As the other guy normally does, he's never prepared. See, this is a constant on uh, Skywatchers Radio, where I have to uh, kind of like be the Batman to the Robinless dynamic duo because he's just not here. But uh, we're gonna have a great show tonight, guys. We're gonna have Grant Cameron on during the second hour of the show, and uh, we're gonna talk about UFOs and Nazca lines and a bunch of other really interesting stuff that we tackle here on Skywatchers Radio. So, until the other guy gets here, if you guys want to call in and uh, make fun of him, please do so. The number is 786-245-8127. Again, that number is uh, 786-245-8127. That's west of the Rockies, east of the Rockies, north of the equator, south of the equator. Hell, I don't care where you're coming from. Just uh, call in and uh, we'll talk on the air. How about that? You know, uh, there's a phenomenon that goes on with that. Uh, I don't know if it's only this show. I think it happens maybe on a couple of different shows on PSN Radio. But there's a little bit of a phenomenon that keeps happening where uh, during my regular business day, I'm there just uh, doing my uh, everyday duty. And uh, I think I'm going to have to delete Skype from my phone because of this. I start getting phone calls from listeners uh, wanting to ask questions of what's going on in the show and what we're up to and 
and uh, ask uh, if they could ask the uh, the guest who's on the air a question. And uh, I find it hilarious because when I give out the phone number, I don't get callers during a live broadcast like we're on right now, which I would love to have you guys call in and uh, discuss stuff with me. But when I'm not live is when I get people saying, hey, uh, is this Jackal? Is this Angel? Or, uh, is the other guy there? Uh, we have a couple questions for you. But then during the show, nothing. So, guys, again, if you want to call in and join uh, the good times here on the air, 786-245-8127. Be the call-in number. Amelia! <laughs> All right. Now, we got some uh, news to go over in a, in a minute here, but I really wanted to get the other guy on the line uh, before uh, you know, I go over the news, because, uh, you know, if not, I'm just uh, reading some stuff off the internet, and there's, that's no fun. The whole purpose of having the new segment is to discuss what you know we're discussing. So uh, hopefully the other guy is uh, available to get on on Skype soon. I hear you. This is Lou. Yeah. So what's the latest on Sean David Morton? Any updates? Uh, 365 uh, years in prison if they can catch him. He's still on the run. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, sat on land for 36 days. I can tell from UFO Watchdog. Yeah, he's a fun, uh, fun site. He's going to be a tough one to catch. Even uh, you know, all 400 pounds of him. <laughs> so, what have you heard about the MUFON? Have you heard anything about what Actually, going on at the MUFON meeting? You know, there, that was part of something that I was going to uh, talk about. Um, there's uh, yeah. some rumblings at MUFON. Uh, some uh, some people have been quitting. Uh, move on uh, because of uh, the people that are coming in and uh, being allowed to speak at the MUFON event. So uh, what we've been talking about here, uh, Lou, on the last uh, couple of months on the network uh, between this show and UFONOT and, and uh, Rich's show, Paranormal Code. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because it's starting to come to fruition where now there's infighting within MUFON where members are not really, you know, on the same page apparently with allowing folks like Corey Good to come in and speak at the, at the symposiums. And, uh, it's when when to... was the symposium? Was it, did it just happen last weekend, or was it yeah, recent, it, or is it, it coming? It, it just recently happened, and uh, there's already been some blowback and some fallout. Uh, Mufon lost, I think it was the uh, Washington State Director, I forget his name, but I'll find it right now in a second here, State Director. There's a big story that came out about that came out on this um, James Clarkson, I believe, is the gentleman's name, and uh, he uh, left Mufon, citing uh, you know this being the cause. So there, you know, this is starting to uh, to backfire. I think having kind of these folks uh, involved with Mufon, and apparently there's money involved, and that's one of the reasons why he uh, didn't uh-huh. like what's going on. Uh, and you know, we touched we touched on on this uh, not long ago, where I said that of course. These guys are buying their way into organizations like MUFON, and they're coming in with the money. And what is MUFON to do? Say no to money? It's like every other organization that's out there. I mean, they're you know when you come in with a lot of money and a lot of publicity, and you're an organization like MUFON, where you know it's hard to make a buck. Let's be honest in, in that field. Yeah. You know, boy, you're actually selling your soul when you're doing this because this is like. MUFON was supposed to be a nuts and bolts kind of place. Correct. In terms of UFOs. And, go ahead. Angel. Yeah, but you gotta remember, uh, Lou, 
nuts and bolts is one thing, but you got to understand that at the end of the day, they got to pay for the nuts and the bolts and the lights and the overhead and all <laughs> kinds of and all the things that they got to pay for. So, uh, just because they're a nuts and bolts uh, organization doesn't mean that they, they don't have expenditures. So, I, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm not as mad with Mufon for having some of these folks out there. Uh, but I, I do think it's ridiculous uh, that they're, you know, even uh, acknowledging that they exist. But at the same time, you know, we we, we got to, you know, here's the thing. We we can't completely tear down uh, every single person that comes forward with some outlandish story because somebody's going to be telling the truth at some point, right? I suppose that, yeah, I suppose at first uh, Travis Walton was considered to be pretty outlandish. Or for that right. matter, the Bentwaters people. And so. look how that, I mean, look how that turned out now. Most people, I think, believe that Travis Walton really was taken and that something happened to this man. I mean, I'm 100% on the Travis Walton bandwagon myself. And the Ben Waters incident is in some ways even more bizarre, the way it's described. Mm-hmm. It's not a conventional abduction. Yep, uh, at all. But look here, so, I got the... Yeah, I got I can, the I think the article, James Clarkson is the uh, person who left MUFON. And as I say, until just a few days ago, James Clarkson had been Washington State's director for MUFON. He left in part because of recent announcements concerning the inner circle of donors and their influence over the organization. Think about that for a second. Yeah. The inner yeah. circle of the donors and their influence over the organization. What was I saying about well, I don't know who those people are. Yeah, but is that Gaia? Is that is that are those code words for Gaia? Who are who are the inner circle of donors these days? I don't know. Whoever is, I'm pretty sure whoever is on the fringe and they're showing up to these uh, events and they're all of a sudden now headlining the, these events. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist mm-hmm. uh, named Stan Friedman to put two and two together on that one. <laughs> Have you heard anything more about Peter Robbins and? His co-author? No, I have not. Larry Warren? No, no okay. I have not. Well, have you heard about Peter um, Robbins? Uh, no, I know he put out, I understand that he put out a 28-page letter, which I have not had a chance to read. I read a shorter one where he pointed out some of the discrepancies in Larry Warren's claims lately regarding uh, objects that supposedly related to John Lennon, which um, Larry Warren thinks were fraudulently portrayed as being John Lennon's artifacts, but I didn't read the 28-page letter, so I don't know what, if any, effect this is having on uh, Peter Robbins' analysis of the Bentwater affair. That I'd, I'd like to know, if what he thinks Larry may have distorted in that, in that saga. I'd like to find that out, but I don't know when I will. Hmm. And obviously, you haven't had a chance to follow up on it. I don't what any what are you following up on? Anything in particular? Um, well, I'm trying to follow up on some sleep, which is really hard to come by these days. Let me tell you, that's the toughest <laughs> one. Uh, uh, other than that, I'm, I'm sticking my my nose really closely to the uh, Corey Good situation here and uh, the guy situation. Uh, that and uh, of course, you know anything that comes about with the Sam Romanek case, uh, because I, I'm waiting for that bubble to burst. And uh, for some names to start coming not, out of uh, uh, the people that were in the peer-to-peer sharing program with them. I wonder if someone could just call the courthouse and get an update, a status update. It can't be that hard. No, I'm pretty sure. It, but I, I think wonder, right now it's, it's still like at a standstill. I don't think they've actually started the uh, the trial itself. Doesn't the trial, so. yeah, the trial begins at the end of the month, right? Correct. 
Yeah, they're going to so so, so Hopefully someone yeah. Someone can follow up and maybe just call the courthouse, even call the prosecutor's office and get a some sort of update as to where things stand. I have no idea, but, I mean, it's probably worth the time and the effort. Mm. Yeah, I don't think does Colorado that. have newspapers anymore in that area? No. Uh, I don't think uh, they give them the time of day in that area anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think they and where's the other guy? The other guy... Uh, the other guy? The other guy apparently had to go to uh, to Walmart. I think he said, and uh, he was he was he was <laughs> buying okay, he what? was buying a, he said that, that he had an issue with the wife, and uh, he had to go buy some shovels oh. and uh, some duct tape, some bags, <laughs> and uh, a chainsaw, and uh, he would be uh, a little bit late, but he'll be uh, joining <laughs> the show before the end of the year. first. He said it was just for like five minutes, and then he said ah maybe twenty. We'll see how late he's actually going to be, and of course, there's always the uh, the possibility, you know, almost guarantee that he'll knock out before the show even ends, and he'll leave like about fifteen twenty minutes before the show actually finishes, Ooh. which he, he tends to do that a lot also. And uh, and you said you're going to have Grant Cameron tonight? Did I hear have, you correctly? Yes, we're going to have Grant Cameron. In fact, uh, he's on Skype waiting for the second hour. He's going to join us and. Uh, Oh, here live, so okay. it's gonna be a great show, man. Grant, uh, you know he's a he's a, a true researcher and a great author, yeah. and uh, he's uh, got a book out that he just put out. We're gonna talk about that, and of course, his interest in ufology. He's been here before, and uh, we love having him on the show. He's a great, great guy. So, see, it's you're gonna talk comes, about what President Trump might do. About of course, UFOs? yes. Okay, of course, we'll touch on that. And and I know he he. I can't remember. I'd have to go check in my my notes now, but I know that there was a guy in Pennsylvania that he interviewed who was a professor at Penn State University who had some connections to MJ12. And I'd like to, I, I, if I can, I'll look these things up again. It's been a while, um, but I believe it was Grant and the co-author of Grant's former bo- uh, book from a long time ago. That Grant has some interesting tidbits about old MJ12 research. If you have a chance, ask him about that. Ask him if you can elaborate on that. A gentleman he interviewed. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm no. sorry, I can't do. Yeah, yeah. I'll try and get him to flush here. that out for us. Yeah. Ask about that. MJ12. No problem. Yeah, and then a gentleman who was a professor at Penn State University. He might have been like the president. I think he was the president of Penn State University, who had who had a lot of connections in the scientific community, and kind of. Teased some people who made inquiries about MJ12 um, and kind of implied that it, in fact, did exist. So I think it's kind of important uh, research that Grant did years ago. Yeah. And you could ask Grant why he left that drop, for that matter. Um, maybe he's listening now, and maybe he can start preparing for it. I don't know. Um, Your phrase, phrase, you might want me to ask him, uh, so I can ask him exactly the way you want me to ask him. Ask him to tell the story about the gentleman who I believe was president of Penn State University and what that man knew about the existence of MJ-12. And hopefully he'll be able to tell us the entire story. I remember, I think it, I think the first person who made inquiry was a guy named Stein, Steinem, Steinman, an old UFO researcher years ago, and Grant stumbled upon... Steinman's research and, and I think did some follow-up research as well. And it's important. The guy made important comments. 
um, alluding to the existence of the MJ-12 committee. I think you and some other people are talking about it. Well, I'm confusing it now, but what do you think about MJ-12? Yeah, I mean, I've heard mixed reports. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard some, uh, you know, some uh, debunking of it recently, and uh, it's pretty uh, sound. Uh, some of the debunking that's uh, that's gone on, but uh, again, with this stuff, you never know what's real and what's not real. So, right. If I have a chance, by the second hour, I'll do some research and try and get those names. But I'm sure Grant will know enough what you're talking about when you're asking those questions. Oh, definitely. Or when you and the other guy ask him those questions. Yeah. If if we and, get the uh, other guy on. <laughs> yeah, and how about the uh, Burnses? If I may ask about an update on another show, man, I'll tell you, I, I, know, I know, I know, I know as much as you know when it comes to the Burns. Actually, I haven't talked to Nancy right. in uh, a few weeks. She uh, just, I think, was either finished or was about to get done with her book, uh, her next book, and um, okay. she and uh, she hadn't, she hasn't gotten back to me since. So I haven't really talked to her in a while. But you, you know as much as I do, and I'm sure as, uh, as soon as they're ready, they're going to put something on FeatureTheater.com and let the whole world know. So uh, I'm still waiting just uh, like the rest of you, by the phone. Waiting for and that call. your network, does your network run, is it Martin Willis, his show? Um, uh, we, yeah, we, we, we were running podcast UFO with Martin Willis uh, for a while there. Then something happened where there was a glitch on the network. This is a pretty funny story. Um, there was some kind of a glitch on the network, and I wasn't at home at the time, so I didn't even notice that it happened. And he couldn't log into the network because of the the server glitch. Mind you, really, it was a server glitch, which I couldn't do anything anyway because it's a server-related issue. Um, and he got he got upset that he couldn't log in and do the show. And oh, um, next thing next thing you know, he ended, he ended up like uh, getting mad at me over it. And, uh, asking why I didn't let him know there was going to be a server glitch, and I'm like, I, I had no idea. You know, if right. I, you know, I, I would you don't told plan you. those things, right? Yeah, those things just kind of yeah. happen on their own, you know. And uh, I came to figure it out as you were figuring it out, and uh, you know, fortunately, stuff happens, you know. And he got a little mad, and uh, he uh, decided to, uh, you know, he didn't want the, the show broadcast to the air anymore. And I said, ah, it's fine. I mean, wow. he was, he was doing, uh, we were doing reruns anyway, so I was, you know, repeating his shows, so it wasn't like it was live. But content. I enjoyed them. Yeah. No, they're good. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock him, you know, his show, and he, he does have right. a, a really good show, so. In fact, I miss listening to his show, I haven't heard it in a while, so. But the, it's funny uh, how, it's funny how people get, it's funny how people get to do well. They get mad over the smallest things sometimes, and, uh, Yeah. Right. You know, right. I'm like I get mad at Jesse every week. He doesn't do a show. You know? I get mad, I get mad at Jesse every week. Period. Like just you know different things. <laughs> <laughs> That's my boy. I uh, was driving home. I was driving home yesterday and I heard a Dr. J interview of Sean David Morton. Oh ay, boy! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy's full of himself. Oh, Dr. J. I'm not talking about Dr. J. I'm not talking about Dr. J. I'm talking about the uh, interviewer interviewee. Hey, shout out to Dr. J, though. He's been a little bit under the weather, and he's uh, he's making it back uh, around. And, uh, that I know. Yeah. yeah. I know he has health issues. Yeah, um, but as to Sean David Morton, I was wondering if you were playing that on purpose or if that was just a coincidence. Just uh, a coincidence that you were playing that show? Yeah, Didn't just pure coincidence. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's, that's just random uh, stuff that we, you know, we, we threw. Normally I throw all the archive stuff that I have on the auto DJ. And uh, by coincidence, that's just, uh, you know, was there. Right, 
Right. I mean, it it will randomly play it well, again, and who knows when, you know. Well, and I'm not even going to tell you where I'm calling from. We're joined here. This. We're joined by Jesse Randolph here. Uh, uh, <laughs> what's up, Jesse? Present, hey, buddy. Uh, Present maybe. and accounted for. Right, how's it going there, buddy? Uh, how's it going? Uh, it's going, you know. Lots of stuff going on, gentlemen. Very Indeed. trying time for this subject. We're in the midst of a war, and uh, it's becoming more and more obvious every day where the lines are drawn, who's on what side, and it is getting deeper and more dramatic by the day, even up to 30 minutes before this program tonight. Jesse, what do you think of this report from uh, MUFON's uh, James Clarkson leaving MUFON over what he calls uh, troubling inner circles of donors and their influence over the organization? I agree with Lou. I think that's pretty obvious. Code words for possibly Gaia right? TV uh, buying they, their influence and way into MUFON, which should be trackable, by the way, gents. So, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. as Luke pointed out, who's an attorney, I believe, uh, if somebody wanted to call over to the courthouse and find out what's going on with Romanek uh, or the prosecutor's office, uh, you might be able to get some intel. Um, I know Royce yeah, Myers, the third over at Watch. What's that? Go no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know Royce Myers? Well, he's an ex-cop. He does plenty of investigative work, and I, I get a lot of my intel, as you know, from him. Uh, I also get a lot of intel from Bill Ryan now. Uh, I will say that from the Corey camp, the Corey Good camp, uh, which is probably their main fraud that they're pushing now, besides the Nazca mummy fraud, which we've all surprisingly learned that uh, – most people in the know about mummies have already put this to rest, although they are quite pissed, and they're pissed about people doing sacrilege-type things to human remains, historical human remains, i.e. mummies. So the people behind this, i.e. Jaime Musan and company, i.e. Gaia, i.e. Greer, who got roped into this somehow, which I still think is a shame. Uh, I know that a lot of people aren't surprised. I am a bit surprised that he got duped so easily. Uh, there is a, numerous videos out tonight, gentlemen, that this audience should go and see on YouTube, the, the place that Jimmy Church doesn't go to view things. By the way, Jimmy didn't say a word, didn't say a word about, uh, about NASCAR. Or NASCAR in his uh, uh, monologue tonight, not a word. Why? We all know why. He was supporting it as le as probably legitimate, hyping it. He's in bed deep with Gaia, so of course he's not going to say anything. Jesse, when the uh, ship goes down, you better be ready, and uh, he better be ready because it's going down quickly, and uh, it's not looking pretty. Well, you know what, Angel, it's funny you say that. Like I said, 30 minutes before this broadcast, uh, Divine Frequency, which is one of Corey's kids, mm -hmm. this uh, this gal, this blonde gal, uh, Miss Yeranos, who is now working for Corey and is now a featured speaker at his uh, Mount Shasta conference coming up for the uh, eclipse. And 
they they had been hyping a sit down with Corey, a one on one, where she's sort of like Megan Kelly or something of ufology, <laughs> and Corey was going to explain himself, what he stood for, and uh, talk about the allegations towards him, some of the lies and such. And uh, that was just released a half hour ago. And I have yet to watch the entire thing. It's about 40 minutes long. But I will tell oh, you this. Nice. In the first, yeah, you know what I'm doing after this program. Send me that link. Um, I will say that in the first two minutes of the video, if not first four minutes, Corey has already said the following, and I'm paraphrasing gents. David Wilcock, who I speak to every day, told me a long time ago when I got involved in the business. It's almost like he's talking to George Burns or something. Um, That's a weird way of phrasing it, too. Got involved in the right? business. Thank you, Lou. It was like actually this is, like this is Hollywood. It was a slip that he caught himself, by the way, right. when you watch it. Okay. So good, good catch. Not gents. like just revealing the truth about UFOs or something. Right. Caught no, no, the, correct. the business. Lou, correct. The business. But what, what David yeah. told him from... His uh, inception from the onslaught was the following, that uh, the haters, which are the, the sane ones, or the people who are the doubters, um, are people that you have to ignore. You cannot answer them. You can't engage. And he said in closing that he should have listened to David because it's been working so well for him for so long. Again, putting his foot in his mouth and when you listen to that sentence that little diatribe uh answer you're blown away because this guy to me i think i might have Corey good figured out gentlemen and i think i'm going to talk about it on thursday night i don't want to uh, both of you guys know i've been on this thing for a long time not as long as many others but i've been deep in it entrenched over the holiday break some would say a little bit too deep but that's how i roll so I think I know what's going on with Corey, and I don't think it's what we all think it is. It's, it is what we think it is. It's a fraud, no doubt. Okay? That's obvious. It's easy. But why? I think there's something to that. And I'm going to throw a theory out at the audience on Thursday, and we'll see what happens. I'm going to throw one at you right now, Jesse. Uh, Go for it. Corey, I think, is a paid actor. And I think he's a paid actor paid by uh, Wilcox and Company. I think they hired him to play this part and told him, listen, you do exactly as you're told, and mm -hmm. uh, you continue this narrative, and we're going to make a lot of money and pay you a lot of money. And he was probably some uh, you know, paid actor who uh, was down on his luck, needed the cash, and took it, and uh, ran with it. And now he's in a, a completely different world that he did not expect to be in this long, and you're seeing a man who's slipping by the tongue. And he's saying things uh, that are that are out, completely out of character and completely wrong to say, uh, like you just said, uh, because he is kind of uh, you know in, in a, out of his reach, out of his world a little bit. I don't think this is uh, something that he probably is a big fan of ufology or the UFO community or anything like this. So I think he he just he took a gig and it's gone a lot longer than he expected. So he's slipping now. I think it's a great theory and. Uh, does it have legs? We don't know. It's, it's, it's impossible to, to figure it out, obviously. Yeah. But we have to go by the track record of the people involved. And we've said time and time again that, you know, he tries to make believe that the reason that he's coming across as this sort of hoaxy, 
commercialized money grubber is because the Blue Avians told him that he has to be commercial mainstream. And this is uh, <laughs> in the first five minutes of this of this program, gentlemen. So enjoy yourselves post uh, Skywatchers, kids. Don't go there now. Just salivate <laughs> about it. And well, gonna, know that there's a great guest one. coming up tonight, Grand Cameron. How about, but, how, how about um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to mess. I don't want to paraphrase. I've only seen about ten minutes. I, I have to say this though, for the folks listening that either do their own radio program, or do YouTube videos that we sometimes feature. You know, some folks last week, Angel asked, uh, dark journalist who most people know listening to this. I have been uh, reaching out to every once in a while in a friendly passing because he is uh, on the front lines for us. Uh, defending ufology right now okay so the good news is the following ladies and gentlemen is that the people who don't matter the b-listers the c-listers the youtubers the bloggers you can call them haters you can call them trolls i call them sane people and listeners okay these are the people that jimmy church uh likes to call uh nobodies or likes to say they don't matter or they're too negative for him um, and that we should be silenced. However, we saw with Richard Dolan uh, this past month, and we are starting to see with people within the structure of MUFON that our voice is making a difference. We are not standing for this garbage, infiltrating, as Jimmy Church tried to make believe, ufology. The infiltration's coming from them. They have infiltrated Correct. this subject, and they are quite literally ruining it with the help of MUFON. So there you have it. If you're listening tonight, keep it up. And if your video has been featured, uh, like we did a great Wilcock video the other night. Remember uh, you guys did on uh, <clears throat> on P-Code? You did mm -hmm. uh, David Wilcock is uh, full of baloney or something. And uh, right. I don't remember the gentleman's name, but he did a great job. And we want to reach out to people like that and say, you know what? We want to encourage you because you're making a difference. You're on the same playing field as Gaia when you make that video with your your mind being expressed, your opinions. Don't be afraid to do it and know that people are watching. In fact, I think PSN Radio is on more playlists than people who, who work with Gaia would want to admit because today – Mike Barrer released a video that you can go watch. I heard about that. Yep. It's yeah. coming, Lou. I am here. More chills. Yeah. Oh, boy. Who's well, there man? there goes the neighborhood. And I said, mute thyself. And, of course, he's got to come in with, I am here. Yeah. The world has well. stopped and ceased. Right. Yes. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, the other oh, guy no, is here to ruin the day. Let, or let better yet, has, has you seen the robot chicken episode of My Apocalypse Pony? Talk no, about lowering the bar. We're, we're talking about something important, and here you come and talk about robot chicken. Holy crap. Jesse, let's here, get back to what, what you were saying. I want you to ask your guest tonight. I want you to ask your guest tonight. Here, I'm reading about Dr. Eric Walker. I believe he was president of Penn State University. He says, yes, and this is in Grant Cameron's book. The, the book is called UFOs, Area 51, and Government Informant. So Grant wrote this book. He quotes Walker, Yes, I know of MJ-12. I have known of them for 40 years. I believe that you're chasing after and fighting with windmills. 
You are delving into an area that you can do absolutely nothing about. It's not worth it. Leave it alone. I'm sure I have notes concerning those meetings at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. I would have to dig them out and read them over in order to jog my memory. And on and on and on. A lot of juicy quotes about the president of Penn State talking about MJ-12. So I would, if you can get Grant Cameron to talk about that tonight, I'm sure he has other things he wants to talk about, probably his more current work. But I just think in the, you know, in the real world of ufology, uh, the nuts and bolts world of ufology, uh, what Grant uncovered about MJ-12 is very valuable to people who, who have a, you know, a passion or a biting interest in this topic. The other thing I want to say is maybe, uh, Network can set up a, a site where Jesse can post all these links to all these these videos he's talking about because I don't have the time to go looking for them all. Uh, maybe I'm lazy. It's, but, it's, it's called Facebook. Um, There's a group page. You can just join up and you can go right there and just do it. Uh, and it's actually, called what? Is it called PSN Facebook? Okay, uh, that's fine. Advertise yeah, it. The, Tell the, me about it so I can and get Jesse Facebook, to put his, put his links Facebook, there. Facebook.com mm-hmm. forward slash PSN. Uh, Jesse, what were you saying uh, before the other guy who uh, greatly interrupted you? Because I, I wanted to finish this narrative because it was uh, really, really yeah, interesting. I'm, I'm sorry. I other guy. Other guy, shush. Uh, Jesse, oh, I had a question for Jesse anyway. I apologize. Jesse. I have lost my train of thought, and I am thoroughly angered. <laughs> I am Corey so sorry. Now? It's my uh, fault. Oh, it's not your fault. Goose However. But I, I do have a question about the MJ-12 that you were just talking about. Um, let right. me the fir- the more questions you ask, the further away from the, uh, the subject that he had in mind. And we'll no, because this is on top. And eventually he's going to forget it. See, right, I think, I think what everybody up. needs to you do is, is the following, Angel. They need to listen to this program. The more people that get involved with this on the B and C level are going to influence the A-listers. It's working. Okay? Dolan was the you first. You were saying about he's Michael Barra. You, you were going with Michael Barra, and he was dropping something about Thank something. You. Thank That's you. That's what it was. Yes. Thank you. Michael Barra. Man, I wonder, it's not affecting memory that bad. was Go on ahead. Jimmy Church's round table yes. a few months ago. And he knew nothing he, about nothing, but, blew but he was us like, away trust with him. His insight, <laughs> where he blew us away with his insight on how we should look at folks like Corey Good and the Gaia uh, enclave of fraudsters. Okay? Uh, he said we should just blindly trust them and believe them, paraphrasing, of course, because they're nice guys. Um, and that we, we are a bunch of trolls and haters, and we should just go away because we're really jealous. So Mr. Barra then releases a video once we've blown him out of the water by making him look quite silly and is now claiming that the mummy is a fraud. But this is just his take. Oh, he is. Yes, and it's okay. a five-minute video that is really kind of worthless except him trying to save face. By saying, "Hey, man, I'm I'm a, a real science person too," you know, just but when people are writing checks, they're writing checks, and that's what we're running into, guys. We're running into a-listers going, "Hey, there's finally somebody writing checks, and you guys don't want me to work with them." Okay, that's what we're <laughs> working on. People like Linda okay. Howe, she's not saying shit. People like Stanton Friedman are not saying shit. If these people would come out, there is. A fucking convention this weekend in Washington with Nori and Laura Eisenhower and a bunch of other crappy people and Mike Barra, of course. And this is the kind of reason. These are the reasons these people 
will continue to be silent on this one. If I could prove a check being written to the special effects house that actually made the mummy, would that make a difference? Well, today it doesn't – it would make a difference only because it would add to the evidence they already have, other guy. This one is case closed. This is going to make everybody look stupid again. But guess yeah, what? Jesse, 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 it Jesse, doesn't Jesse, matter. Jesse, but you, well, you, well, you don't understand it. Sometimes, and this doesn't happen often, so just hear me out for a second. But rarely, and uh, you know, from time to time, the other guy actually has uh, connections and hookups that are really interesting and actually fruitful for the show. This one is actually one of those times where he actually knows people that are involved in the hoaxing of this thing. Other guy, you want to uh, talk a little bit further on this? Because this is your time to shine right now. I can actually confirm secondhand knowledge of a special effects studio that does B-budget movies that may have made that mummy for them. <laughs> oh my. I assumed it was a real mummy. But, I thought you were speaking well, hypothetically. Ahead, Do tell. Explain oh, yeah. okay. information. <laughs> I, I can. I am waiting for my friend to send me a copy of the trailer and sizzle reel. But I can honestly say I have seen both the face and the hand in my friend's sizzle reel. Well, not my friend's sizzle reel, but his friend's company's sizzle reel that they're using to shop their special effects studio in Hollywood. Oh, yes. That would be what a, is a great sizzle reel? What is a that sizzle would be reel? A sizzle a reel is not a trailer. Up. A sizzle reel is a compilation. It's a digital, it's a digital uh, resume. It, yeah. No, when it's a real, in, in, in central is because I shot a couple of these and, uh, none of them went anywhere, but I did shoot some of these. It's, uh, it's a compilation of, uh, either scenes or, uh, of, uh, you know, uh, in, reenactments of what might be or not be in the movie. And, uh, it's just, uh, okay. So the, uh, producers are, are putting the thing together to see what everything, everybody looks like in character, kind of. So they could shop that to the studios and try to get, you know, production budget together. And it's just a, a way to, to kind of see how everything's co- is kind of shaping up with uh, whether it's a movie or a TV show or something like that. We actually shot one for uh, Bill Burns uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, um, 2015 actually. Uh, we shot one for a TV show for uh, the History Channel, and that was part okay, of that. let's get back to this cool. other guy. Yes. Wait, what? What's the next steps here? I mean, this is pretty I am actually stuff. trying to find it on YouTube right because now. Because that is the exact kind of thing that would slip through the cracks, my friend. What yep. you're saying, where they would say, did you get the originals? Yes. Did you do this? Yes. Did you make sure there's no pictures? Yes. Did you do But they didn't know that some dude took it, export, and threw it into the sizzle reel. I mean, this would be totally spot on on something that would slip through the cracks. Wow. I am wow. running through. I, ha- I have a private page that I am running through the FX reel right now. Uh, seeing if it's on this FX reel my friend has given me. Oh, Hang on. Bear with me. Uh, as a matter of fact, they, this company was also involved in doing Starship Troopers. 
Oh, one of my favorites. Are you not willing to uh, say the name of the company? Hang on one second. I'm trying to confirm. I'm going to give it to everybody in the chat right now. And okay. um, be, I'm going through it. I'm at. I just paused it at 32 seconds in. It's a four minute and 15 reel. Um, hang on one second. Uh, why? So this is an uh, agenda free radio. This is non commercial agenda free radio. There are yeah, no smoke and mirrors. We don't need to set up a symposium and have you uh, pay five hundred dollars for the weekend to see this. We don't have to jump to a commercial <laughs> about freeze dried ice cream. Buy some gold. All these guys do, by the way, are practical effects. They don't do CGI. This is their business of doing practical right. visual effects. I just Actual put the link props. in, guys. You don't see I just it. Put... Um, are you guys on the phone? Are you calling it? Are you calling it on a phone? Hold on, guys, guys, guys. Relax, relax. Would you put it in the uh, PSN chat, or I see it. You put it in, in our it? Skype. Yeah, I see. You put it in our Skype chat. So I'm going to put it on the PSN chat also. Okay. Yeah, is, that, is that privy to just the people that are on the phone or everybody that's listening? No, that's just privy to the, the, the people on the call here. Okay. You'll notice at 15 seconds in, there's something you guys. The chat. <laughs> there you go. You guys will notice something rather interesting at 15 seconds in. I'll just start pointing out the seconds. Someone make a list. Um, 15 seconds for the face of what they did. Okay. And, and I am continuing to watch the video right now. And okay, I'm, I see the face. I'm to find the, okay, I'm trying to find the hands because the okay. hands were in their demo reel as well, too. I'm just looking for it right now. That's kind of the smoking gun if you find the hands. Hang on, hang on. It's, Help me understand the context a little more. These guys prepared this for Gaia? Possibly. You're saying? I'm this saying they might have possibly, actually yes. purchased. This might have, this, this, what they're calling a mummy, might be coming out of a mold for an actual practical rubber alien they just poured plaster of Paris in to make it solid, and, mummy-like. And, and what will be at this? A pay-per-view show, I believe that's what it is. What will be on the pay-per-view show that they're or going analysis. to exhibit? I'm trying they're to. They're going to take a bath. So you're saying now, these, these dummies? These Hang dummies on one will be second. Um, okay. I'm going. Right. I'm going through this more and. Well, I mean, on. 15 seconds in, I see oh, uh, a couple of aliens. 122. 122. 122. Okay, okay, that's the head. I see. I see the head. Okay, but that 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 just hang looks on. like an alien. Hang on, yeah. hang on. The three yeah, fingers. Yeah, no problem. I mean, these guys did great special effects. I mean, you look at their stuff, and it's like phenomenal, phenomenal. I mean, I can see with some, you know, more uh, coloring, you know, white coloring on the uh, alien face there, how it would look kind of like that mummy. You know, but, somebody uh, explained the white that you're seeing as uh, diamet- uh, matrix Earth. If, Diametrous if Earth. Okay, I could believe that. Diametrous. That as well, which I've used before on my dog for flea prevention. Jeez. Okay. Okay. Two o eight. Two o eight going. Two o seven. Two o eight. 
Wait a minute. Oh, I see it. It's like it's digging into something, right? Right. But there's a full hand shot coming up. And I'm yeah, looking at it right now. Yeah, that one's actually like going into like a body or something. But you can Hang clearly on. see it's got three fingers or whatever. Uh, that, that's, uh, we gotta, we gotta look more. I just saw some boobs. Yeah, I saw that. Alright. That was 219. Yeah, boobies. Anybody's So is the in- inference that what they're going to show to the paying public? No, basically, what this is, just to clear the air, because I think that you, you know, we might be a little confused when we're watching here. This is a, a company that made this sizzle reel, uh, Lou, uh, to yeah. sell to a studio yeah. for, you know, their work, so, you know, so you can see the, you know, stuff they've done. Um, so they could probably get some more work, you know, from different studios or whatever. Now, what apparently might have happened here is the actual prop used in this sizzle reel, which is the Or alien, the mold. Or, or the, the mold, mold for it, right? Or the mold for it was sold to the Gaia people, and there's a check which would prove that they oh. bought they bought the mold or the actual alien prop and used it to create the alien that's not being shopped around by Jamie Musan. So basically, if there's a check okay. linking this, trust me, art I'd house, love for it to be real. I really would love for it oh, to of be course. real. But I just don't think it is. If, if there's a check that can be kind of uh, found here, or uh, any transaction money-wise that can be found between the art house and uh, you know Jaime Musan or any of the folks involved with uh, the hoax, uh, then boom, you got your smoking gun right there. If they've uh, done any business together, that should be the end of that right there. That should be your smoking gun. The one they're putting on display is not human flesh or decayed human there's flesh. Another it's actually there's another actually. There's another no, good no. headshot at no. um, 355. 355. I think the hand's going to be coming up after that. Okay. we got 10 minutes before we got Grand Camera on the show, guys. So, um, uh, wow, this is a whole lot of fun. Damn, the hand wasn't in there. There's another, there's another reel by these guys that must have the hand in it. I think we, okay, we, we need, need further investigation. That. We need further investigation into this, the other guy. So your job, since, uh, you know, getting here on time or staying throughout the entire show or you know, none of that <laughs> stuff is going to be something you're actually going to tackle and handle. Your job from uh, this week is to get, <gasps> dig a little Okay, deep. hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, I'm going to send you this link. Um, I think this is going to be something really amazing. Oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. When he's got that twinkle in his voice, the I head's get different. But guess what? <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> Click. Where? Send them that link now. And by the way, Angel, trust me, Grant's interested in this. Oh, well, I'm sure he is. Yeah, when we get him on, he's going to want to know about this for sure. Oh boy. Yeah, that looks. Yeah, but you're like going to ask him yeah. about Doctor Eric Walker. Okay, right? so why this is fantastic too right off the bat is because it gives some context into what these people are capable of building in general as well uh, okay. this is this ladies and gentlemen i guess we're going to have to put up to everybody that's in the chat room. oh please do this is this is much better uh, than- oh i already did i already linked it in there yeah this is this is what you want to see these guys can do skeletons no problem but what they did was they built upon an actual current mummy and that lou is the answer to your question not from scratch taking an actual mummy and defacing it 
to make it more okay, modifying it modifying right. it right defacing uh the remains and creating this alien and one of the ways they talked about doing it if you remember the three long fingers that they actually severed the thumb and the pinky one of the theories and they show you where they cut it all the way to the wrist bone and they were able to build cartilage to make the fingers longer um that is one of the explanation theories and they show it the diametrics earth that i told you about uh, well, there's, there's got to be laws there's got to be laws against doing things like this uh the human body whether it's uh you know some kind of a mummy or whatever i mean there's got to be laws against stuff like that Oh, there are, and, and, and not only are there probably uh, major problems and laws, but they're probably international laws. So you, just because you did it in this country, per se, you might be uh, in a lot of trouble uh, elsewhere and abroad and in this country for it. So you can't escape the guilt. And the people behind this, of course, Gaia, uh, George Norrie and company, and uh, – the rest of them. So, what I'm not seeing in this video is the is the fingers, though. No, in fact, uh, I, at all. Yeah, I know. I saw one with the hands that look identical or near identical. It looks like. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, is this company capable? Absolutely. If you watch this video, there's no doubt in your mind this company is more than capable of not only recreating it from scratch. And that doesn't surprise me. My brother, who well, if you if you look at how this, I'm I'm sorry. If you look how the video is and how the, I'm actually looking at the Nazca alien mummy photo revealed. I'm clicking on the link in doubtful times. I'm looking at a close up of this video. If you look close to it, the rib cage and the leggings. If you actually compare to, um. Uh. The bone structure of the legs and how the legs are shaped, these are similar. It, it's as if the FX company gave them the body of this thing and created a head and alternate hands from the one you see in this video. Because this monster was used in a movie called Mirror Mirror Raven Dance, huh. which was – which came out somewhere about 1993. But if you look at the legs... It says it on the video. Right. If you look at the legs and the drumstick, and you know, you look at the thighs, you look at all of that, it is very, very, very hard to, to dismiss that we're not looking at the same body structure. Absolutely. And if you know anything about special effects, being able to take a life cast of an actual mummy from Peru, and we know that they had elongated heads because they, uh, from birth, did uh, something very similar to like a foot binding, right? right? So that their heads would stretch to look very gray-esque, like gray right. aliens, right? They're mm-hmm. elongated. So they already right. had that to work with. And to be able to life cast a real mummy and then add to it with silicone, etc., these guys could do it in their sleep. Obviously. Well, if you actually go to... Four minutes and 13 seconds, or mm-hmm. actually starting at four minutes even, or actually okay. even a little before that, you can actually see the mold that it's in. Got it. That's the life cast. Yep. So, this folks. This will be available to all, all the listeners, all your listeners. Yep. It's in the I'm chat. Not th- Hello? I, 
How did you find out about this? Um, I was at a friend's house who is a special effects artist. Okay. And I showed him the alien. He's like, oh, that looks familiar. Let me bring that up here. And I'm like, no, really? It's like, yeah. It's the spe- I know the special effects company. Or I, I think, he said, I think I know where this comes from. But other guy, they must have signed NDAs, no? Well, um, don't forget, he doesn't work for that special effects company. Okay. So. Well, we need, yeah, we need something. We need some more information. We need a, a receipt, as you said, or. Yep. Um, but somebody's behind this. Somebody dig the deeper, word. other guy. Dig deeper. Just, uh, I'm, I'm going to, but you know, I'm wrong. Maybe these guys were to the FX Uh-oh. house was inspired. I'm not. I'm trying to backpedal. Oh, I'm not trying to backpedal. I want. Oh. Well, there's no reason right. to backpedal. Hello? Guy alive all the time, so. Question is, <laughs> <to listen to, laughs> uh, uh, guys, we're, we're running short on time here. We're, we're about to uh, go to commercial in a, in a minute and a half here. We got Grant Cameron who's, uh, waiting for us, and, uh, and and of course the other guys stepping all over me uh, like usual. <laughs> hey, hey gentlemen, have a great show. And are these these videos are going to be available way, to your you, listeners? I hope. Way, and also, wait, you'll, you, ask, you'll ask Dr. Eric Walker those questions. You or you'll this... ask about Dr. Eric Walker, right? I have no idea what's going on anymore, uh, guys. Uh, I've lost control of the show. Let's <laughs> let's disavail. I'm getting things. I'm, I'm getting questions from everywhere. I have no idea what the hell's going on, Jesse. What do you think? Commercial break. I think Jesse uh, left. We're gonna go to commercial. We'll be right back, guys, with Grant Cameron on the other side. <laughs> Abduction. 
Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Greetings. My name is Spud Goodman, and I am, in fact, a talk show host. But the Spud Goodman Show is more than just a talk show. Spud and his temporary co-host, Gerald. It's temporary permanent co-host. Super. Interview celebrities, welcome live musical guests, present fascinating feature segments, and take calls from an assortment of unique callers. Should I laugh now? And you can catch the Spud Goodman Show Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on PSN Radio. That is messed up, yo. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Now we're going to have our guest Grant Cameron joining us. And let me tell you, uh, Grant is uh, one of our favorites here on the show because he always comes with what we like to call radio realism where, uh, you know, he likes tackling uh, some of the subjects that we tackle on here with honest research and dedication and uh, he's been involved for a long time in this field and grant uh you're one of the uh, the best doing it in you found you today my friend thank you so much for being here with us well thanks for your interest and uh hopefully i can live up to your expectation you always do every time <laughs> yeah. we shall see we yeah. shall see now, uh, I know you were listening, we were talking here off air, and, uh, you know, I, I know you were, you were listening to the first hour and you heard what we were talking about, the, uh, the alien, uh, mummy, hoax, yeah. you know, what are your take, what's your take on this thing? Because if, if uh, this smoking gun that the other guy here, uh, supposedly has come upon is legit, and we can't actually prove that somehow the Gaia folks, uh, you know, bought the rights to this thing or got inspired by this thing or somehow were involved with these folks, I mean, this would completely destroy their entire thing, don't you think? It'll destroy their integrity, but it'll also hurt the UFO community, and I'm sorry to do that. Uh, I don't know if it hurts the UFO community. It's uh, yeah. To me, everything is basically consciousness raising. People are talking about it. I don't think you and I... Someone's going to say, oh, no, it's another hoaxer. Oh, yeah, but they've been saying that since 1947 about everything that we've ever brought up. True, I mean, yeah. the, people, the people that want to play it are going to play that game, but it's still, it's like the idea that I just wrote this book called Managing Magic where I talk about the 14 magicians inside the CIA who basically load all this stuff into Hollywood and places like that 
that this is how they sort of get the story out. They really don't care whether anybody believes it or not. It's uh, it's raising consciousness in that, you know, people who aren't really fans of it can sit there and watch and you get ideas of the one they're pushing right now is the portal idea and this kind of stuff where uh, you're never going to verify any of it uh, to somebody who's a, a real skeptic, whether it's a UFO sighting or whether it's, uh, you know, a, a video or that kind of stuff. So it's still people start keep talking about it and um, the people that are on the street really don't look at it the same way that you and I look at it. They're not looking for the the intricate uh, how this hoax was done and stuff like that. It's sort of they see the story and they go on to another story and they go back to watching another TV show. And um, I Welcome think to short attention span theater. Well, no, I mean, yeah, exactly. Grant, Grant, you think it'd be fair to say that most folks uh, won't even uh, you know care to look deep into this kind of stuff? They'll see it; it'll be interesting to them. Maybe they're supportive of the subject, and it'll be just something interesting and in, in passing, and they'll forget about it in like you know a few minutes. Uh, for the most part, I mean, it's only like the hardcore fans of the subject that really uh, dig deep into these subjects and continue to uh, you know look into these things. Uh, but for the passing person, I mean. And this is just, just another uh, tidbit of uh, wacky news on the news. Yeah, they don't distinguish it between any other UFO right. sighting or news that comes out. We, we always think, I think it's one of the mistakes we make in ufology, is we think that everybody's at the same level, same level as we are. And we have to realize that we're like uh, one one-hundredth of one percent of anybody who knows anything about this. That we, right. we're very specialized. We think everybody thinks the same way we do. And they're all watching the same videos. And basically, they're not. They're basically... Trying to make a living and and uh, you know put the kids through school and get the, take the kids to soccer practice right. and they got little glimpses of the the whole thing and it's um, no one it, sees the whole reality like, of the situation. Yeah, it's almost like if you take like any other issue, say uh, civil rights or gay marriage or whatever. I mean, there was a lot of ba- bad movies, a lot of bad articles written about these these subjects that weren't accurate, and it really didn't change the fact that in the end. Uh, this thing got exposed and everybody suddenly went along with it. So uh, I, I think it's almost like the thing where it really doesn't matter what they say about you as long as they spell your name right. And, and that, <laughs> that's what the UFO thing is about. And so that's, I don't know, um, in terms of the guy thing, I'm looking at this video. It's not quite in the same league as the guy stuff. What I basically advised, I have a, a producer. Well, inside. this is the special effects studio. Yeah, okay. So, uh, But I, I, I have a guy inside the Gaia thing, and what I said to him, a producer there, and he's not in, he's not directly involved in the thing, but I said to him, "You better cover your bases on this because you know what happened with the other two. And uh, he's very excited about what what they're getting and stuff like that. So I said, I basically sent him to the two people that did the analysis on uh, Greer's little being, which you know some people say is a a seven year old kid that's six inches high, and I, I have my problems with that one too. But that was the um, the lab at Stanford University. It was run by Gary Nolan, who is this right. sort of uh, expert biologist, and he's working with Kit Green, who is one of the, I call him one of the 14 magicians inside um, this operation to get out the story. And Kit Green uh, is a contractor for the CIA. He's a, 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 a physiologist, has done a lot of work for the CIA. He ran the weird desk at the CIA till 1983, uh, briefed the president, this sort, of, this sort of stuff, very high-level guy. And um, the, the important thing about uh, his work and the um, the Nolan thing is the fact that the Nolan lab and Kit Green are actually working on experiencers, and they're doing these uh, DNA markers and um, these uh, MRI readings from people who are highly psychic 
and uh, and who are claiming to be experiencers. So um, th- that's what I basically told this uh, producer, Gaia, you better go to these people because and basically say to them, okay, we got this situation. It could blow up in our face. Um, if you had this, if you were dealing with this situation, what would you do? And basically get their advice. You don't have to listen to them because they're very skeptical of the, of course, Kid Green of the CIA. And I said, well, you can basically listen to what he says because if you release this thing and any of these high-level people come out and say, well, you missed this test, you didn't this, uh, you're dead in the water and, and your whole station could basically go under by this whole thing of being caught in this sort of major hoax. Make sure you go to all the different, uh, not just rely on the people that you have, that they think they've got, you know, top-notch people. I said, you know, I just advise them. But I don't really follow this kind of stuff. I'm more into the, um, the. I, I had my, my initial sighting, which I, this book I've got coming out now, this Charlie Red Star book, I had my initial sighting, and then all I was interested in is not what the stories are in ufology, but what was it that I saw? And, I, and there had to be somebody somewhere, someplace and somewhere who had the answer to what I had seen. And so I, I chased the Canadian government. And as you mentioned, I chased this former president of Penn State University, Dr. Eric Walker. Yep. And uh, he led us to, uh, he was going to give some of his files. We were looking for these files from 1950. Because as, as you were mentioning before I came on the air, there's this um, incident that occurs just as the MJ-12 document is uh, being released, that um, a, a researcher by the name of um, Bill Steinman um, is talking to Stanton Friedman, and this goes back to the Canadians. The Canadians in 1950, and this is one of the few, uh, maybe the only legitimate top-secret document dealing with UFOs. It was released by the Department of Transport and by the Canadian government. It's a top-secret document, and it was declassified in 1978. Stanton helped force this document out. And in this document, it's the famous top, uh, top secret uh, Smith memo, sometimes it's called. And it basically said, um, we talked to the Americans, this is 1950, about the uh, flying saucer subject. And we were able to classify channels. We were able to determine the following things. Flying saucers exist. It's the most highly classified subject. Uh, it's of tremendous significance. A small group headed by Dr. Vannevar Bush is running this. And the thing that turned out to me most important, the next line, it said, Mental phenomena is also involved. And this was 1950, they were told that mental phenomena. Mental phenomena. Yeah. It's a, the, the, word, the wording said, and we were also told by American officials that other things might be associated with the flying saucers, such as mental phenomena. And the Americans aren't doing very well because they said if we're working on the problem, they're willing to exchange credentials and talk to us. Now, do, so you think this, the, do you think the MK Ultra project uh, goes along into this? With this well, the, M, the the actual M, MK Ultra project started sixty miles away, six months later in Montreal. This was written in Ottawa. I mean, that had part of it, but it wasn't the the, the the link that other people usually put. What the MK thing was was people realized that consciousness was a key element, and so whether you were talking Scientology or whether you were talking uh, psychedelics or where you were talking uh, mind control, this sort of stuff, they realized that there was this very important consciousness element to this whole thing. And what I say is, when you take a look at the top secret memo from the Canadians, you ask the question, how did the Americans know in 1950, if this document is, is legitimate, is, is a legitimate document, how did the Americans know that mental phenomena was involved? Because in 1950, nobody was claiming to have talked to any sort of alien or non 
non-human intelligence. Uh, Adamski and Williamson would not come forward until two years later, about seven or ten days after the detonation of the hydrogen bomb. Uh, Betty and Barney Hill's story of a being abducted wouldn't be released until 1966. There was basically nobody publicly talking about the fact that they were talking to aliens and that aliens are telepathic. Now we know aliens are telepathic. So what I say is the reason that they may have known in 1950 that mental phenomena was involved is because they had a recovered craft. And the, the story that's gone around now with the Roswell crash is not that there was four dead aliens like the MJ-12 document talks about. There was three dead, and the big story now is there was a live alien that was telepathic and it was talking in people's heads, which is, to me, part of the classified uh, aspect of the whole UFO phenomena is not so much the, the hardware, it's this mental as the mental phenomena aspect which right. is so critically important. So, uh, and and it was actually Walker that actually mentioned this. You mentioned the thing where he where it starts out. So what happens mm -hmm. is Canadians are told about this in 1983. Stanton Friedman is is gets a hold of, of Eric, um, a guy by the name of. They're trying to figure out who in the United States gave the information to the Canadians. And in Wilbur Smith's files, a guy that ran the Canadian government program, it was discovered there was a guy by the name of Dr. Robert Sarbacher who had provided some of the material. For example, he's the one that provided the material that said it was the most highly classified subject in the United States. Stanton tracks him down in 1983. He's living in Florida on a yacht. Stanton's talking to him, and Stanton says to him, he said, well, um, do you remember doing the interview? He said, yeah, I do remember doing the interview. And Stanton said, well, why was it so highly classified? And he said, I don't know. I just know it was. I never did figure out why they had such a high classification on this thing. And so Stanton says to him, Uh, well, how did you know about this? And he said, well, I was at a meeting in the, in the Navy building in Washington, D.C., and a bunch of people were coming back, engineers and scientists were coming back from a, a briefing at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And they had, uh -huh. they, they had done a recovery, and these guys were coming back, and they were talking. And I was involved because he was working on the dew line. He was when they put in the, the radar for the dew line in Canada. Uh, Sarbacher was running a big engineering Uh, team there so he uh, basically said I was involved I just heard these people talking about it in in this in this room of what they had been told at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base so Stanton said well who, who was there and he said Von Braun Von Neumann Vannevar Bush and he's naming and Stanton says to him well, we Which actually got this sense. Stanton says well was there anybody that still might be alive you're naming all these guys and they might be dead and that's when he says well there was a guy in Pennsylvania And he had a company like I did, and he was a real arrogant guy. He th thought he knew everything, and he attended all the meetings. So Stanton sort of drops it, and there's a researcher by the name of Bill Steinman who got in and then pulled out of the UFO field. He was a good friend with Bill Moore in Los Angeles. He was a major researcher. He wrote one of the, the first book on Aztec. So anyway, he was involved, and he tracks this down. He does research, and he discovers that it has to be Dr. Eric Walker. That's when you quote this thing. He phones up Dr. Eric Walker, and said, well, the most significant part about this is that it happened only days after the MJ-12 document was released in Washington, D.C. The, the MJ-12 document was released by Bill Moore, Jamie Chandray, and Stanton Friedman at the MUFON conference in Washington, D.C. In, in May of 1987. So this is only days after this. He phones up Walker, and he says, um, I've got this. He said, I, I heard you at this meeting at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, dealing with the recovery of a crashed flying saucer and extraterrestrial bodies. And Walker pauses, and Walker says, yeah, I was there, so what? And then Steinman freaks out, and he says, what do you mean, so what? This is the most important subject of all times you were there. And he said, can, can you uh, tell me? I've got this document. 
and it's it's a, a document. Uh, and the top the topic is is the MJ12 uh, briefing document, and that's when Walker said, "I have known of them for 40 years. Leave it alone. There's nothing you can do about it." And the significant part of that was this is 1987 interview with Dr. Eric Walker because that's when the document was released. He said, "I've known mm-hmm. of them for 40 years, which would make it back to 1947. Leave right. it alone. There's nothing you can do. You're up against the windmills. Go and study something else." And so when this came out, um, I discovered that he had done this interview with Walker, and then Steinman sort of pulled out. And what I did is I sort of ran this team of people, and I'm not the type of guy who goes in and does interviews, but it was a bunch of people around the world who said, oh, I can get Walker to talk. And I said, okay, here's his phone number, and phone him <laughs> up. And so what happens is for the period of about eight years, people phone Walker from all around the world. There's all sorts of people phoning him, sending him letters and stuff. And Walker was the type of guy who it was classified, and he really didn't, he said, I can't talk about this subject, talk about something else, unless, unless you have the mind of Einstein, uh, you're wasting your time, you're not going to get anywhere with this thing, and he even said at one point, he said, why should we change the rules to satisfy your curiosity? All you want, you're curious, all you want to do is know, isn't that true? And that was I want to know who set the rules. Well, that's the thing. But it appeared to me that there was rules, that he was basically confirming not that there was some rogue cabal that was running this thing, but that there were actually rules. And Walker was actually following the rules. And at the end of his life, his son was a medical doctor. And in the book, we describe the fact that uh, Walker, we expose Walker and we publish the book and Walker continues to talk. And um, then we knew he had this file because what he would do with people is somebody would send him a letter. And then two years later, he would, for example, he'd take Steinman's letter and he would photocopy the letter and he would make some notations on it. And then he would send it to one of the other researchers who was phoning him and he would do these weird things. So we knew that he was collecting these letters. So we went at the end of his life. We wanted to find out whether he had had this file that he was keeping on us and um, and all the people that were contacting about the subject. And his son confirmed that there was a file and that he had seen the file before his father died. And most of the files were at Penn State University. I went there to see them. There was tens of thousands of pages because he was the president there for 17 years. And there was a lot of it was like, you know, stuff on uh, sending out, you know, general things, happy birthdays to people and stuff like that. It was piles of stuff. But his son said that some of the stuff was still at the house. And his son was a medical doctor. And we, the, he confirmed that there was a file, but that when he moved Walker's files after he died to Penn State University, that file, and it had two, he said, had two crashes in it, and one was from somewhere in the West, and one was in Pennsylvania. And he didn't have any details, he didn't remember, he didn't really know, look at it, but he said there was this UFO file, and that when he moved it to Penn State University, the file was no longer there, which indicated that Walker had been the, the noble soldier, he had saluted, and he had destroyed the file or handed it back to the government, that there were rules, and he was basically playing by the rules. And another example of this, which is, is kind of interesting, um, at one point, and, and this is where I get into how th- there's these government people who are leaking indirectly the story, and it's all got plausible deniability. It's like the, the present situation with with the present administration in Russia. You're never going to tie him in. You're going to have all these meetings, and, and the guy who's running the show doesn't know anything. He's a total idiot. He was never involved. There's always this plausible deniability. So uh, with, with the, the, the Walker thing, there was always, again, this uh, plausible deniability. And um, what happened was uh, Bill Moore got involved with the original MJ-12 document, 
And I was in contact with him about this thing. And the document is phony, no doubt about it. But what they do is they take a real document, they put in the MJ-12 idea, and then they, they put it out, and it's a hoax document. And the idea gets out there about MJ-12, and then somebody yells hoax, and everybody runs for the hills. And the idea gets out, and the, the whole thing falls apart. So Bill Moore had released this this um, this document. And then um, I got involved with Bill, and we brought up um, uh, Eric Walker. And I'll give Bill Moore credit. Whatever people want to say about Bill Moore was the only guy who came to help us on our research. He said, I don't really believe your story. I don't believe this guy's as important as you say he is. But if he is, I'm going to send one of my, and this is this whole story about the Avery. He had 24 people that he had uh, contact with inside the government. Bill Moore used to work for the CIA. He'd worked for the CIA when he was at university. And then he had gone back. He'd been a, a, a teacher. And then he'd gone to, to L.A. And he'd gone back and made recontacted and so one of his contacts was again kit green kit green is this guy who ran the weird desk uh supposedly rumored had to have briefed the president was the high level guy that had run the whole thing and he said i'm going to send in a guy bj and i'm going to bj is going to talk to walker and we'll find out what's going on here now bj is the blue jay and that's dr kit green so this meeting is set up and it takes an awful long time it takes about six months and I, he never reports back to me, but I hear through other people in the Avery what happened in the meeting. He goes into the meeting with Dr. Eric Walker, and this is this whole thing about the fact there are rules. So Kit Green was involved in the Glomar Explorer, and the Glomar Explorer was where they have this Howard Hughes ship where they supposedly recover the, the uh, Russian submarine in the Pacific, and it's all right. top secret, run by the CIA. And Kit Green was with the CIA at that at point of time. And so was Walker. Walker ran the underwater laboratory at Penn State University, had all this financing from the military to run this lab, and, and was a, a high-level you know, high Navy guy inside the government. And so Walker was involved in Glomar Explorer too, because he was a, he was an expert on, on submarines. So the first part of the meeting, apparently the first half hour, I think it was, or the first hour, the first half hour, Kit Green and Walker basically talk about the fact, the, the old days of the CIA and the Glomar Explorer and, and what happened there and all this sort of stuff. And apparently as soon as, uh, Kit Green brings up UFOs, Walker freaks out. And he starts looking in the corner, and he's sort of giving the implication that there's the room is bugged. And he starts yelling. He said, uh, you know, why should I talk to you? You're not the president. I don't have to talk to you. I don't have to answer any of your questions. You're not the president. I have to deal with you. And he basically throws Kit Green out of the office. And I hear this from secondary. Bill Moore never reports back to me. So you have uh, Walker, who's this very sort of uh, significant guy. And what's significant to me, mostly... He did give us an awful lot of material. In fact, he gave us, when I mentioned this thing about the, um, the, the fact that the Canadians in the Canadian memo had mentioned mental phenomena. And if you know my story, you know that I had this download experience in 2012 in Phoenix, Arizona. And these three things were put in my head that all matched, put the whole thing together. One of them was this line in the top secret memo that said mental phenomena is part of the the phenomena. Now, I had gathered all these things, but I didn't really put them together. And in one instant, all this stuff was put together in my head. The second item was an, a, a statement by Dr. Eric Walker that I never did understand. And, and Walker would talk in rhymes and riddles. And you really couldn't understand what he was, he was talking about. Like, at one point, he was talking about a live alien. And, uh, but he was making a sort of a joke about it. And we didn't catch on that. But the thing that came in with this mental phenomena was, at one point, there's a researcher from Great Britain who's talking to him. And he's talking about the MJ-12 group. And he says, are they still all Americans? 
And is there only still 12 people? And Walker replies, this is 1991. Walker replies to him. He said, let me ask you a question. What do you know about ESP? It has nothing to do with MJ-12, like nothing whatsoever. And it's like, and I never figured it out until I had this download experience. And suddenly it was like, oh, I know what he's talking about now. And he said, unless you understand about ESP and how it works, you will not be taken in by the control group. Talking about MJ-12. He doesn't refer to MJ-12, but he said by the, by the group. You will not be brought in unless you understand. Very few people understand how it works. And later on, we actually asked him a question because... Uh, we actually asked him a question that Vannevar Bush had made some derogatory comments about uh, ESP. And we'd actually put this question through to him. Well, you talk about ESP being important. Well, Vannevar Bush had this derogatory stuff. And he said, you think that's all we had to do? You think that's all we... Vannevar Bush is an important guy. He didn't have time to deal with this kind of stuff. And he got all very upset about the thing. So that was the second thing. And the third thing that, that, that came out that had to do with this mental phenomena thing that came in my download is Walker gave us this thing in 1991. In 1993, there's the famous story told by Ben Rich, or by, by Jan Hartson about Ben Rich, that he and Keller are in this uh, 1993 March uh, lecture being given by Ben Rich. Ben Rich so, shows the last slide, which is a flying saucer, and he says, we now have the technology to take E.T. home. Everybody laughs. The lecture ends. People start asking him questions. He makes this comment about, we've discovered the mistake in the equation, and it's going to take a, an act of God to get this thing out of Congress because it's so deep black and all that sort of stuff. So as he's heading for the door, Jan Hartson's experiencer. Jan Hartson had this experience at nine years old in the backyard with his brother, this flying saucer 30 feet away, and he becomes obsessed with flying saucers. He becomes an electrical engineer. He wants to know how flying saucers work, and he realizes this is his chance. So Ben Rich is leaving the building, and he chases Ben Rich, and he figures, I've got to ask Ben Rich. He said, okay, Ben, I need to know. I need to know. I've been obsessed my whole life with flying saucers. How do they get here? How does the propulsion system work? And Ben Rich turns around and he says exactly what Walker said two years before. Let me ask you a question. What do you know about ESP? And Jan said, I didn't expect a question. So he said, uh, well, it means that everything in time and space is connected. And Ben said, that's how it works. Walks out of the building, gets in his car and drives away. And now I'm starting... <laughs> I'm starting to collect all these. In fact, if one of the things I've, I've, I did this Managing Magic, the reason I did the Managing Magic book is this latest episode with Tom DeLong. And Tom, Tom DeLong, like Bill Moore, like uh, uh, Dan Smith, like uh, Tim Cooper, like all these, I call them the, the, the messiahs, people who are uh, government, numerous government officials come to them and start leaking the material. And, they, and this is how they sort of put this stuff out. It's all plausible deniability. You can't prove it and stuff. So... Um, it, it, uh, he talks about these, you remember the WikiLeaks exposure, where they yep. confirmed that, that he did have three of the sources. And one of the sources he had was Robert Weiss. And Robert Weiss was the Ben Rich of today. He runs, he's the president of Lockheed Skunk Works. And if you listen to the interviews that, that DeLong does, DeLong talks about getting inside Area 51. And he's talking to uh, the head of Lockheed Skunk Works, which would be Weiss, and the head scientist. And during this this conversation, they ask him, they say, well, how do, you, how do you think they get here? And he says, well, this and that. And he said, well, that's kind of interesting. What else do you think? And he said, I think consciousness is involved. And he said, at that point, the, 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 the head scientist for Lockheed Skunk Works said, now you're talking. And he said, all they wanted to do was talk about consciousness for, 40, let, for 45 let me, minutes. Let me stop you right there, uh, Grant, because uh, this goes along with uh, 
uh, so many different things. So, for example, the, uh, the there's videos on YouTube uh, dealing with a Mona Lisa alien uh, that has uh, some kind of a mechanism on her face which looks like maybe it's dealing with uh, thought patterns that is controlling the ship through her mind and through her thoughts. And, okay. uh, of course, we're doing, a lot, we're doing a lot of research uh, right now here on Earth with paraplegics and uh, working with uh, folks Absolutely. and using brain waves and, and, and whatnot to control. Hell, look at Stephen Hawking. Correct, and uh, you know this is something that, that, that is a technology that is advancing at a rapid, rapid rate. And uh, to further, you know, go along with this, uh, you know, every abduction that's happened almost in recorded history has the fact that people say that they've dealt with them in a telepathic way. So this yeah. really goes along with uh, that. Uh, in particular, the, that part of the story. But let me go back a little bit here to what you were saying earlier about uh, Werner von Braun and these folks. Uh, did the Werner von Braun meeting take place after he left NASA? Because after he left NASA, he was said to have been taking a role on the underground, uh, I guess, the version of the Black Ops NASA, where they were going uh, on about building uh, you know, black budget projects and whatnot. Uh, and that happened, I think, what, around 1970, if I'm not mistaken? Was that meeting like around that time period? Well, the, the meeting that was referred, there's only one reference, and that was that Sarbacher, when Stanton Friedman asked him who was at the meeting, he was trying to find out who was at this Wright-Patterson. That was 1950, and that's okay. when Walker, Walker was the executive uh, director of the Research and Development Board. Which but that's, is, what, that's what Van Braun was there, though, 1950. That's the one who was on? That, that's he, that was Sarbacher's claim as to who was in the meeting. And okay. that's when Stanton said, well, is there anybody that might have still been alive? Because you're naming mm. all these dead guys. And is there anybody? And that's when he said, well, there was this one guy from Pennsylvania, and, and he basically describes Dr. Eric Walker. And so right. um, the, when when Simon phones him up, he said, I was talking to Dr. Robert Saubacher, and he went to Saubacher, and he said, was it Walker? And he said, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. He was he attended all the meetings. So the way, the way this the whole Walker story starts is Simon phones him up, and he says, I was just talking to Dr. Robert Saubacher, and he confirmed that you were – at um, a series of briefings at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base dealing with the recovery of a flying saucer and extraterrestrial bodies. And that's when Walker says, yeah, I was there, so what? Right. And, the, the, and the, reason I, the, the reason I bring that up is because this puts Van Braun now in very key positions, very key moments in history uh, where he is literally part of uh, not only you know, dealing with the rocket systems that took us to the moon, but now we're talking about he's in key moments to deal with the cover-up of UFOs and aliens, and he's right there in the, in the thick of things, in the background. Um, oh, and this is And this is a matter sure. of I mean, course, that's, that, that's right. actually how, if you listen to Robert Saubacher, that's how this game is played. That's how it started, right. is during World War II, instead of sending scientists to the, to the front to carry a gun and, and get shot or not know what they're doing, what they would do, and that's how Walker got involved, uh, Walker was recruited during World War II, and n- numerous other scientists were recruited. And instead of sending them to the front with a gun, they would, what Sarbacher referred to as dollar-a-year men. So they would sign up for a dollar a year to the U.S. military, and they would stay in their positions, and they would work for the U.S. military. And so all your research uh, comes now, your major research comes this same way, is it works so well during World War II. That, for example, Dr. Eric Walker was the co-developer of the homing torpedo. He was right. ultrasound, all this kind of stuff. He invented all this stuff. So he was working, and they gave him a bunch of money, and that's how the game is played. So you get a high-level guy, and and he they give him the, the lab, the underwater uh, lab where they do um, uh, torpedo tests and submarine stuff and like that at Penn State University, and they give him a whole pile of money. 
And if you follow um, Annie Jacobson now, you basically see the, 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 how this game has played on. In 1990, when we did the Walker story, I actually talk about this system. And now Annie Jacobs is talking about it like she invented it. And <laughs> in 1990, I tied in DARPA and Jason's. And the Jason's, this is how it works. So if you've got a, a problem, like you've got a crash flying saucer, and you don't know what to do with this, well, what are you going to do? You're going to go to the best minds you've got. And the best minds that they had were these physicists called the Jasons. And they were guys that worked on nuclear problems. And it was the same thing with, with they were usually professors at universities. And if you, I was at a university, so I know how this game is played, that they only teach from September to April. And then they all fight, like one guy has to teach summer course, and the rest of them claim they're doing research. So they, they from April till September, they're able to work on whatever projects they want. So they would have these summer study groups where they bring in the Jasons to work on very complex problems that, that they wanted to work on. And the Jasons were created by DARPA. And DARPA was created uh, by the Institute for Advanced St uh, Studies, and Walker was the chairman of the board. So Walker mm -hmm. was a, sort of at the pyramid of this whole thing. And the people on the board were the head of NSA and these very high-level people, and so they would recruit these people. So whether it was Von Braun or any of these people, if you had a very complex problem, all these people are under classification, you bring them on a need to know. Like Walker would, as, as sometimes he would say, I was only involved for a couple of days. That's all my only involvement. And then right. we actually went back to him and said, well, were you at Kecksburg? Because we figured, like, he had a pilot's license. He was 100 miles as the crow flies from Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. And we said, were you at Kecksburg? And he said, mm. yeah, I was there. And he basically confirmed this. And you sort of went through his rhymes and riddles to figure this whole thing out. But anyway, so you have the DARPA thing. And Andy Jacobson now talks about this, that DARPA is when you get a bizarre problem. Like, in the, in the ordinary scientific community, if you bring up UFOs, you're toast. I mean, you're, you're dead. You're going to lose your job. Oh, yeah. You're going to lose your funding and this sort of stuff. Political, but, you, you're scientific. It almost in every community. Uh, Grant, you know, but let me ask you a question, though, because now, you know, I think, you know, fast forward to modern modern times and the way the climate is today, um, I think that, you know, a lot of these fears and uh, a lot of these concerns that you know, they might have had back then are completely gone. Why is the hoax still going on? Do you, I mean, do, why is there still an embargo as uh, some would put it, with it. Well, I mean, you, you described it. I mean, if consciousness is the basis of this thing, I mean, if you're a military guy, you're into us versus them, you're into separation, you're into uh, we're the good guys and everybody else, uh, and especially the way you see the present administration, like everybody in the world is evil. I mean, they're, right. they're all trying to uh, shaft America, and, I mean, everybody's bad guys. And are you willing to give this technology to uh, ISIS? Are you willing to give it to the Chinese? Are you really bad hombres, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or you assume to be the bad hombres, and they're playing yeah. the same game. So the Russians are playing the same game, and they, they've got their cards. They've got 80% of the mystery. You've got 80% of the mystery. And so you're going to put your cards on the table, and you're going to give them the 20% they need, and whoever has this technology rules the world. Because when you get into the, 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 um, the idea with the consciousness technology you're talking about, when, when I do the consciousness lecture and I talk about this, I show the stuff from 2004 at the University of Florida on where, where they're doing, where they take 20,000 neurons from a rat brain. And you can go and Google search rat brain and F22, uh, uh, and you'll come across where they take 20,000 neurons from a rat brain, they put it into a Petri dish with a bunch of wires in the bottom of the Petri dish, and they wire it to an F22 simulator. And wow. they teach 20,000 neurons to fly an F22 simulator. 
And wow. the thing is keeping the thing flying, and then they change the weather. So they put thunderstorms and wind and stuff, and the thing continues to fly the simulator. And that's this symbiotic relationship thing that is the, one of the probably the main key to what this whole cover-up is about is the fact that if you look at the, the Edgar Mitchell survey of the 4,000 experiencers, so you have all these people who claim they've been on the ship, they've interacted with the beings, 14% of them say they've flown the craft. And I've talked to three dozen of these people. And I ask them, they'll say, oh, I've, I've flown the craft. Now I stop them and I say, okay, hang on. How do you fly a craft? Nobody has said anything different. <laughs> they say, oh, they've got the steering wheel and you do this, you do that. Nobody. They, everybody says the same thing. You do it with your mind. The craft is alive. You become one with the craft. You interact with the craft. You become part of the craft. And as Chris Bledsoe, famous experiencer, described to me, because I said, Chris, start from the word go. Tell me step by step how this works. And he went for five minutes and explained exactly how this craft, how it was flown. And he basically says when the, the front opens up and this glass appears and it opens up, you look at a cloud and you say, you like to go to the cloud, the cloud comes to you. It just instantly comes to you. You And you move through time and space by thought. And that's when you take a look at the, the, the stuff I'm working the hardest on right now is the whole story with Ron Pendolfi. And Ron Pendolfi is the guy who briefed Trump. He's the head guy. And he's mm. dropping stuff left, right, and center. He's actually, his wife is having meetings on the Internet, go-to meetings. You can go there. You can ask questions. And the main thing he's trying to put out right now is the idea of the portal. And the portal is this idea. They do not have spaceships. We do not fly through time and space. There is no time and space. There is no physical universe. It's all quantum. It's all uh, moving through vibration, moving through portals. And that's how they get here. And they do it by coming through portals. And so this is the story he's pushing. It's this idea of the portal. And um, and then you even hear the story that Joe Firmage, if you remember Joe Firmage from the 1990s, Big money guy, dot-com guy, very much into UFOs, financed all the research that was done by uh, Bob and Ryan Wood, quarter million uh -huh. dollars into them oh, yeah. to research yeah, yeah. MJ-12 documents. He very, very much in, lost a lot of his money. But from what I'm told, he has a te he has the technology. He has a back-engineered portal. And the, the story is that they have these portals. These portals are around. And so if you have this kind of stuff where you can actually go through the portal and it's like a dream and you can manifest – and you have six new shows this year, like Twin Peaks, where they're putting these ideas of the portal. Suddenly, all these shows have portals in it. And they're dropping this idea that this is interdimensional, that this is not spaceships going at the speed of light, going through time and space. This is moving from one point, like almost like the entangled particle, that you can move from one point in space to another. And that's it, where they, they have the idea. I recently, sorry to cut you off, but I just saw recently a miniseries called uh, 112363. I think it was the name of the uh, John F. Kennedy one, uh, where they travel through a portal, which uh, is fascinating. But you're absolutely right that the uh, the concept of portals is making its way more and more into uh, the, the uh, overall structure of uh, TV and movies and the concept. Uh, it's it's interesting you mentioned that. Uh, but let me ask you a question. Uh, with, uh, you know, let's talk about, you know, folks pumping money into this. I know you've done a little work with Gaia. What's your take on the, on the Gaia? folks and more importantly what, what's your take on on cory good and the blue avians uh, for example i mean what, what's your thoughts on that okay well the cory good and the blue avians i i spend most of my time with experiencers because what i say is mm -hmm. you're not going to tell by anything by watching lights in the sky except the fact that something's going on the only way right. you're going to learn what's going on is to talk to experiencers who are on board the ship who have interacted with these beings and you can say it's belief uh, everything's belief 
you take a look at their material and you start seeing these patterns, like seven times the national average uh, have near-death experiences, 13% flying the ship, 40% say they've, they've, they at one point in their experience they knew the answer to everything in the universe, 42% saying that they uh, have mathematical, technical, or scientific material in their head that they did not learn in school, it just appeared right. in their head. And you have these these sort now, of. Now I got I got to ask a question: Is yeah. that being given to them by the aliens, or is that? Well, hold on. This is it's all the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's all the same thing. It's basically uh, you you tap in all all the stuff is there, and it's it's getting the password. I wrote a book called um, Inspired: the, the Paranormal World of Creativity, where I go through savants, I go through musicians, I go through people with books, and people get downloads and and songs through dreams and stuff. And it's all the same thing. It's shutting down. The, whether it's hypnosis or psychedelics or whatever, you shut down the ra- the rational left brain analytical brain. You pop over, you get you get the the password, and you can hack the computer. Everything is on right. the other side. Everything is there. Whether you call it a Kashik record, higher self, whatever you want to call this thing, you can tap into this. So the the people that are experiencers, they're talking about the same thing. They knew the answer to everything in the universe. They've tapped into this higher self, and so the aliens have. Uh, or the non-human intelligence have moved them over into this field, the same as you can do it with psychedelics, you can do it with drumming, you can do it with, with brain injury, you can do it all sorts of methods, uh, mediums, you know, through childhood abuse, uh, through MK Ultra stuff, through uh, stimulating the brain. There's all sorts of ways you can, you can pop people out of this, shut down the left brain and pop them into this. So they're all accessing uh, this kind of stuff. So when, when Corey Good starts talking, I kn- I've dealt with enough experiencers that I know He's not an experiencer. He can't be an experiencer because I've talked to a lot of them, and that's not mm. how it happens. There are no experiencers who come out and say, oh, I was with the aliens last night, and they took me here, and, and there's this deal going on with the government and stuff like that. If you talk to an experiencer, it's just coming in little bits and pieces. It's like Travis Walton. Oh, I remember five minutes of what happened. The rest was all right. blanked out, and, and it comes in these little – and when you take hypnosis, then more of it starts to – filter through but it still comes in little bits and pieces and you're you're sitting there trying to put the bits and pieces together nobody has this complete recall of how it works so he's to me he's not an experiencer i haven't really dealt with this case but that's why i've sort of stayed away with it is is that if you there's enough where instead of looking at a single individual what you have to do is look at the pattern of these four thousand people and that's when when the free people um, they, they were actually, they're starting to interview these people who have the 42% downloads because they're into the right. free energy and they're, they're going to recreate what these people, these inventions that people have in their heads. And I've right, seen right. some of the stuff, the stuff produced. Some of the stuff these people produce, they have no scientific background, are producing these 25 page papers on quantum physics and stuff. It's just mind boggling. I said, well, we should talk to the people who are flying the ship. And they said, well, no, Grant, everybody's been on the ship. And I said, well, I'm not care. I don't care what they've been on the ship. But when they start <laughs> flying the ship, I think we should start looking at this thing because they're all saying the same thing. They're talking about this symbiotic relationship, and that's the whole thing with the rat brain. So if you have the the, the, mil, uh, the uh, university in southern Florida flying a um, uh, an F-22 simulator with 20,000 neurons of a rat brain, and we've got 100 billion neurons, you can imagine what the black world's doing. Because if you look at oh, there's, yeah. A, yeah. there's the whole thing that it's all the, it, and again, it's all the same thing. Uh, it, to me, it's UFOs, when I wrote the book, I called it Managing Magic. Because to me, it's not UFOs, it's magic. It's this whole thing. When Ron Pendolfi, who's the main guy that I watch at the, the CIA, high-level intelligence guy, uh, what he said when he first started leaking this thing in 1991 is he said, we have a phenomenology problem. And when Chase Brandon came forward, who talked about, you know, Roswell was real and, and he's the liaison to Hollywood and all this sort of stuff, he said, 
phenomenology. When he used the word phenomenology, I said, that's the CIA word. And what it means is it's not UFOs. It's UFOs, remote viewing, psychic phenomena, psychokinesis. It's all that same thing. It's all that, that, that thing about how does the universe work? Consciousness is primary. Matter is secondary. The particle does not take a position in time and space until there's an observer. It's the, we've made a, a basic error. And that's when, when Ben Rich said, what do you know about ESP? It's the whole idea. You've got to go to this ESP thing. You've got to realize that it's not this physical world, that it's the, it's all mental. And that's how you, that's how this thing operates. So when you look at Annie Jacobson, and Annie Jacobson just wrote this book called Phenomena. And Annie Jacobson wrote the book on DARPA. She wrote the book on the um, Area 51. She wrote the book on, on the, uh, the, the German paperclip project and stuff like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so when she writes the Phenomena book, She's talking about all the work that was done at the CIA, and 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 she actually mentions this project as being done by Kit Green and Nolan at Stanford University, where they've got experiencers, and they're looking at these uh, the DNA markers that everything, according to Nolan, all your markers, everything, every flu, every cold, every injury that you've had, there's a DNA marker, and they can actually mark these things. And that I was told by one of the experiencers that they're working with that this DNA marker appears at birth. So they're working on this sort of thing. But Annie's doing this book, and she's talking about Kid Green. She's talking about Nolan. She's talking about uh, John Alexander. She's talking about Hal Putoff. She's talking about Yuri Geller. She's, and they're all the same UFO people. It's the same well, group of people. Let me stop you real quick. The, this is interesting. This is really interesting, actually. The DNA markers that could tell, um, you know, defects or anything that's going to happen to you in the future. So in other words, uh, these DNA markers are telling us that our future is written already and there's pretty much nothing we can do. We have no free will. Well, no, this DNA markers from your past. I, I don't, they don't, they're not making a claim that you can see the DNA markers in the future. But if you look at, uh, I always say in the UFO world, I mean, one of the, we make a lot of bad assumptions in terms of... Oh, no, I, I understood as the DNA markers showed you what this person is going to be like when they're born, as you said. At the, at the well, no, but of... the DNA, well, the DNA marker, all according to the experiencer that, that was involved in this, he said that he was told that there is a marker that is common to all experiencers that is there from birth and that goes to if you look at the things i say that we've got wrong is that you either the world is either random or or it's chance and i say right i know it's random or it's it's pattern and i say it's pattern if you look at the universe everything's a pattern i mean there's stars here there's stars there there's planets here there's planets there and there's going to be dna all through the universe there's going to be oxygen all through the universe it's there's all these patterns that it just follows this pattern right so um so you have um that's a mistake. And the other one is is the big thing about reincarnation. It's either one life or it's multiple lives. If it is reincarnation, everything in the UFO field changes. So you either mm-hmm. believe it's one life and you can go down that road. But if you bring in your reincarnation, everything changes because then you agreed to do something when you came here. And that's the when you get into these things where you talk to experiencers, and I've talked to enough of, enough of them, where you talk to them and they will say, for example, Chris Bledsoe, that Warner Brothers is going to throw $80 million at his story. It's got an unbelievable story. Chris Bledsoe is being regressed in 2008, a year after his, his awakening experience, by uh, Dr. Michael O'Connor, worked for his associate John Mack, and he says to him, when did you first meet these beings? And he said, they have been with me since before I was born, which gives us indication and what a lot of experiencers, the, this, the theory is that if you regress a person deep enough and you say at any point in the past, if you're an abductee, at any point in the past, did you agree to be in this situation? 
100% of people will say, yes, I agree to this. This is not an abduction. This is something that from I came into this life to agree to do this, to raise consciousness. And then you even see, and I, you can bring all sorts of examples of experiencers, for example, the Moody but Blues. Is, but is there any, I mean, does this person have any proof that he's actually here for this purpose? Because, I mean, it sounds like a great story for a movie, but... But you, you get know, the patterns. You, you can't look at any specific case. You can downgrade any specific case, but when you start looking across the thing, everybody's telling the same story. There's a, there's a guy... Well, the, there, everybody knows, yeah, you're absolutely right. Everybody, everybody is kind of telling the same story where they're like, uh, they're here to, sit, to give a message, and usually the message is that we're destroying the earth, and, yeah. you know, they're, they're here to help us, uh, and they're here to, uh, to show us the way. I mean, that's always seems to be a narrative. Uh, but, you know, but let's talk about, you know, some of the folks now that are that are conducting some of these um, you know, lies or hoaxes or are not real experiencers. What's the motive for some of these folks? But, like but, Corey Good, if he's not a real experiencer, like what's his motive for doing what he's doing? Well, it's, it, it looks like it's, it's for money, or he may have been set up by the government to do what he's doing. I, don't, I really don't know what his motive is, but I'm saying that overall, all, all experiencers, you can't look at any particular case because anybody can downweight any particular case. But That's when you true. look at 4,000 experiencers and you see a pattern that 39% of all experiencers say, I was shown a screen on board a craft, and <laughs> I and that screen showed these environmental images. Then you got to say... I mean, they, they can't all be making up the same story. The same as when I first heard the story about flying the ship it was 2013 in Phoenix, Arizona, and I can absolutely guarantee you, I thought the woman had lost her mind. She said, "She said I was flying the ship." I said, "You're flying the ship," and she's like in her 70s. I said, "You're flying the ship? Did they let you fly the ship?" And she said, "Yeah." And I said, "Well, how do you fly the ship?" And she said, "You do it with your mind." And and I thought she was crazy. I ne- like that's not kind of something you're really going to make up. That you're nah. you're using your mind to fly the ship, or to say that the 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 craft is alive. Like experiencers will tell you, the craft is alive, and that you put your hand. And I've talked to these 36 experiencers, and they'll say the same thing. Now, because I've talked about it, it sort of blows it out of the water as to what you're supposed to say. But there's a pad, and you put your hand on the pad, and 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 you, the, all these lights start not lights, but sort of um, like a. Th- um, a uh, CD-ROM where you get sort of uh, colors going through like on metal and you take your hand off, you can see where your hand was and then the inside of the ship starts to change, it changes size and stuff like that. And yeah, Travis, Travis actually described something like that when he said uh, that he, you know, he, taught, he touched like a pad or something and the whole room changed and he could yeah. see space. You know, real quick though, and I, and I was giggling there for a second when you were talking, uh, not, you know, uh, to be rude or anything, but the reason I was because you reminded me of, of a show that I just saw the season premiere of uh, the show um, uh, People of Earth. I don't know if you're familiar with the show that's on. Uh, on oh, TV. don't tell me I haven't watched it yet. Don't tell me. Oh I my God, the, season, the, se- the second season. I saw last and season, it, and it's I so good. The reason I the reason I was laughing or giggling there, uh, Grant, is because on that show, every single abductee that the aliens take, they they tell them the same thing. They say you're special. You're you know you're here for a reason, and, yeah. we, and you're here for love. And they say you know, and they brainwash them with the same thing over and over again. And it, it becomes like a running joke with the aliens that uh, we're not special. Or there's something you know they're just saying it just for the hell of it, just to mess with us. And that's like kind of like a running joke. Now, wouldn't it be ironic if that is actually what's happening? Because uh, to have all these people come out with similar stories that they're, you know, some kind of uh, special beings or they're here for a special reason and the aliens contacted them directly we because they're special. You. We picked yeah. you because, yeah. I mean, to me, that's a, a little far-fetched. I mean, one person, maybe? Two, perhaps? 730, uh, 40, 50. I mean, that's just a little bit too much uh, for my senses to, be, to you know, but, find but what are you going to use? There. 
But what do you use? You have to use a mass survey of people. Oh, of course, yeah, 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 definitely. You can't be definitely. guessing on the outside. If you've got 4,000 people who have been surveyed, and, and a, a pile of them say, when you go to the craft, and you see the craft, and it's like the size of, of, of a room, and you look inside the craft, and it's the size of a football field, and you look back outside the craft, and it's the size of a room, and you look inside, and you can't make, you can't make that stuff up. And people oh, are telling yeah. these very common stories, and you only see that by doing ex- 4,000 experiencers and doing the survey. That's the scientific way to do it. You can't do well, it well, by, is, by is, analyzing that's or rationalizing okay, that's a good show, but it's part of like what people are saying they are seeing is like uh, white rooms or very sterilized rooms, things like of that nature. With no 45-degree angles. Like, why would right. someone make that up? I mean, I, you, know, you know, it's funny, but, but that's exactly what, I, what I've what i heard from many, many different abductees and experiencers that I've dealt with over the years. You know, they describe a very similar thing. And, uh, you know, even Travis, uh, for the most part, that's what he described when he said he woke up on the ship. That, that everything looked, you know, white, very clean, no, no angles on anything. I mean, that that, that seems to be a pattern um, across the board. And, and, and that's what you have. That's what you have to look at. That's your scientific right. evidence. That that's the stuff you look at, and you start to figure out things. For example, the fact that that they say you use your mind, and and then you 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 talk to these people, and then you get these these backups from these high level people who mm-hmm. are saying ESP. This is how it works. So the the head scientist at Lockheed Skunk Works. Now now um, now you're talking. When he's one, all I want to do is talk about consciousness, according to Tom DeLong. So you get this connection that there's this consciousness connection to this whole thing, and it's not yep. nuts and bolts. They are not flying through space in big giant spacecrafts. They are moving because there is no there is no physical universe. It is mm. it is all quantum. It's consciousness is the basis of the universe. That's a mistake we've made. And when you understand that whole thing about the ESP, that kept giving us the hint. ESP, it's this non-local consciousness. Consciousness is non-local. It's not time and space, so you use the mind to come through, and they're putting the stories to the portals, and everything starts to make sense instead of this idea, because the, the skeptics will say, you can't get here from there. The distances are too large, and that is true right. in the physical universe. But it's not a physical universe, so we're making these these assumptions. And Well, if it's not a physical universe, then what is out there? If it's not a physical universe. Well, it's a, it's a quantum. It's a quantum thing. It's it's the idea. It's like uh, John von Neumann who came up with the idea of the of the wormhole and, and the and the uh, that eye whole idea said it's yeah. A but, if I, if, but but we could go to Mars and physically be on Mars. We have rovers there that are physically there right now. But, but there, that's, I, like, that's what they tell us anyway. But that's on the edge of of space. I mean, that's like going on. You know, that's like saying we're flying around. Uh, you know, a hundred miles up, and we're in outer space. You, well, remember, we also have the Voyager uh, mission that you know is taking still took pictures for years and left our solar system as well. And uh, I mean, space we know is there. I mean, we know there's something physically there. Okay, but it's it's it, if you take a look, and I say if you want to if you want to look at this thing how it actually works, you go to the experiments that are done in lucid dreaming. And people who are in lucid dreams who say that you can actually change your environment, you can change the characters in the lucid dream, will say it's more real than the real world. And so change the other guy. What's that? Oh, gee, thanks. (laughs) How do you want me to change? Yeah, and so you you get get this idea, the whole whole idea that that, uh, we're making assumptions. Something is wrong with our assumptions. Otherwise, we would be able to to make these moves through, through space 
we've got something wrong. Either you can't get here, there's no aliens here, they didn't come here, or we've made a mistake. Something is wrong in our thinking. And that's what I look at, is rather than assuming all this this kind of stuff that uh, we've got these giant spaceships that we're, we're going to go at the speed of light and we're going to zip over there, uh, they're basically indirectly telling us uh, how this works and that you can move from one point. Like like Chris Bledsoe, when he told me this thing about the cloud, he said, you don't fly the cloud. You look at the cloud and say, uh, I want to go to the cloud, and suddenly the cloud is right in front of you. It, it moves that fast. It's like it's And it's basically controlled by consciousness. That's how the ship is, is, is moved around. That's how they, they, they fly the ship. You can do whatever you want. And, and I think we have to learn from experiencers that they're telling these stories. And it's like everything else. Like you can say, well, they just believe this. Well, everybody just believes everything. It could be that three minutes and 15 seconds ago, the universe started and it's all just a big dream and came with uh, memories and, and uh, fossils and the whole bit. We really don't know anything except the fact that we're conscious. Other than that, we can't prove anything about anything because it all goes through our subjective consciousness. And even that's debatable, to be honest with you. Listen, I got a, yeah, exactly. so, I, I got, I got a uh, question from the chat here. They want to know uh, your thoughts on uh, David Wilcox and uh, his involvement. Since uh, you know, you've done a little work with Gaia yourself, and uh, you've been involved with uh, with them uh, somewhat. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on David Wilcox? Well, I've never dealt with him. I've never dealt with with anything he's done. He's, he's sort of not. I don't even know if he works in the same field as I as I do. I basically um, chase high level people uh, okay. who I think should know what what's going on. And so when I see someone that I think is a, uh, a an actual intelligence official, then I look at um, he's leaking stuff. Why is he leaking stuff? What's going on? Or when I'm contacted by a producer in, in Los Angeles and said, U.S. intelligence said uh, to talk to you. And I said, are you kidding me? Because this is, I wrote a whole book about this, uh, that they for 70 years, they've been dropping this stuff into the UFO community mm-hmm. through movies, through documentaries, uh, through Walt Disney, uh, yep. you know, um, even back in 1947 with Kenneth Arnold. Kenneth Arnold was, was given a bunch of stuff. He was given these photos and tried yeah. to... Convince him that he that these were actual photos of UFOs. People say it's a cover up, and I say there may be a cover up going on, but there's also a disclosure thing, a, a small d disclosure thing going on, where they're dropping stuff left, right, and center, and these are people that you can actually track their credentials. And so mm-hmm. when I when I when I get contacted by U.S. intelligence, people that are connected with U.S. intelligence through Ron Pendolfi, then I got to say, well, what the heck is going on here? Why are they doing this? And to me, it's it looks pretty clear that they're doing this this gradual disclosure, and they're indirectly dropping stuff through plausible deniability. You can't really prove that that they're that anything that they're saying is true, but they're putting stuff out. And and the, the, I guess the, the prime example that I would use to show how this effect worked is the idea of Area 51. Yep. If you understand what happened to Area 51, you understand how this game is played. And what the idea was, that this is a story that they were going to drop on John Lear. And in 1988... This was John Lear was the MUFON state director for Nevada. He was in charge of the MUFON conference 1989 in in Las Vegas. And he was going to bring in all these weird speakers like Bill Cooper and all these people. And MUFON actually took the conference away from him because John was John is very honest guy, but he's way out there with some of his ideas about what he thinks is going on. So what happened was uh, John Lear got to know Bob Lazar. And Bob Lazar knew Edward Teller. So uh, John, John says to him, why did you get yourself a job up at the base? Because they've got these flying saucers. So, so Ed, 
Bob Lazar phones up Edward Teller and he said, I'd like to, I'd like to go back into the science business. And he said, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to Berkeley or do you want to go to the, up to the, 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 uh, uh, the test site? And he said, I'd like to go up to the test site. So, uh, he, there's three interviews done with EG and Gene. If you can confirm all this stuff with, with George Knapp, we'll confirm this is the actual story of what happened. In the second interview that was done with Bob Lazar by EG and G, the first question in the second interview was, What's your relationship with John Lear, and what do you think about him? So before Bob Lazar ever went on the base, they knew that he knew John Lear. So why would you put him on the base if you knew that he was he was John Lear was going to get right. this? Because what you want is you want John Lear to carry the story. Because John right. Lear at that point had had the conference taken away from him. Nobody believed John Lear, so you give him the story about the alien, the live alien, and the the crafts up at Area Fifty One. John Lear is going to carry the story, and everybody's going to say, "Ah, it's John Lear. Don't worry about it." And the story gets out about the live alien. What right. they didn't anticipate was that he would take John Lear and and uh, Bob Lazar's wife and Gene Huff and Gene Huff's wife, and they would go up and he would show them the tests. So they told Bob Lazar when the tests were being run. He only worked there a couple of days. Why would you tell him when the test is being run? Because you mm-hmm. wanted him to take John Lear up to watch the test. John Lear films it the first night. The third night, they get caught by the camo dudes. Then Bob Lazar gets interrogated at Indian Springs. He gets brought in, and they say to him, put a gun to his head, and they say to him, when we sent you up there, we didn't, we didn't mean, and this was top secret, we didn't mean you to bring your friends out to watch the test. And they don't fire him. If this was a legitimate thing, if he was a legitimate guy working out there and it wasn't a setup, they would have fired him. They would have thrown him in jail. Spot, All they yep. did was spend his security clearance and said, your wife's having an affair with her instructor, her pilot instructor, and we're going to let you go. And they called him back to the base. It was Bob Lazar who didn't go back to the base. So right. you get, you get, and then what happened was. So he that, was like, this is a, Lazar in a sense was like a, kind of like a Lee Harvey Oswald Patsy. In this yeah. Scenario. And, and, and what they expected was that John Lear would carry the story. And what they didn't anticipate was that in the spring of 1989, after he, uh, the, John had had the story since November that this was for real. And it wasn't until spring of 1989, George Knapp is missing a guest on one of his shows. He has an evening show, and the guest doesn't show up. So he phones up John Lear, and he says, you know, you're telling me about this guy you had up at Area 51 and said he worked on the flying saucers. I need a guest. Bring him on. Let's put him on. I got. I need a guest for tonight. And he, for just for a joke. So he puts him on. He backlights him, calls him Dennis, and the story goes viral. Now it's no longer wacko John Lear telling the story. Now right. it's... You know, 20 plus Emmy Award winning investigative journalist John, uh, uh, George, George Knapp. Knapp, who's yeah. got 24 other sources that confirm the fact that this is for real. He's got and all this. This is pre internet, guys. This is, we're talking, this, we're talking about, you know, pre internet. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and the story goes viral, and suddenly Japanese are there, NBC's there, yeah. there's buses going up in there, and suddenly they're all looking down on the base with telescopes and, and binoculars, and Bill Clinton actually has to take more land away to push the people back to 25 miles, because they're all, now everything's uh, exposed at the base, and it sort of backfired that it was something they didn't anticipate that he would do this interview with, with George Knapp, and they got it back under control, but when he was second, for example, second day, Bob Lazar is a need-to-know program, and it's, you only need to know what you need to know to do your job. The second day that Bob Lazar is at Area 51, they give him 125 or 127 documents to read that tell about the whole program, about back engineering and the, the aliens and all this sort of stuff. Why would you give, when you, when you train people, you show them where the bathroom is. That's about it. I mean, you don't give them 25, <laughs> 125 documents. It was Correct. a total setup. And so the story gets out. 
and then it started to go viral, and then they got the story back under control, and now everybody says the same thing. Well, you know, it's probably a hoax. There's probably no alien stuff there. But if you listen to George Knapp, he's got 25 other people, and he's got one clear guy that he talks about numerous times that he tracked down, who was one of the top three guys in EG&G. He got to know this guy, and the guy basically confirmed, yeah, the whole thing's for real. The live alien, everything's for real. And that was Jenny Jacobson's source in Area 51, that he told George Knapp, then years later, he gets in trouble, and then he, she uh, is looking for a source, and he's the one that tells the story about the Russians and the the uh, genetically modified kid and uh, landing in Roswell, and this was the Roswell crash. So he tells the story to Annie Jacobson in 2013 or whatever, and that's payback. So they say now you got to tell the other story, but the other George Knapp will say quite clearly he talked to that guy, and he was not talking Russians and stuff like that. He was talking real live aliens, and George said to him like. Weren't you afraid this story was going to get out? And the guy mm. said, well, no, no, we were afraid it was going to get out. And George said, what? You mean there was actually a live alien? And the guy said, well, we didn't know what to do with it. We couldn't communicate with it. And George said, it came across time and space. It came here all the way, and you kept it captive. And the guy said, well, we didn't know what to do with it. And then you look years later, there's this movie. And I, can't remember, I never remember the name of the movie. They actually have a movie that came out that had this alien that escapes from Area 51. Well, that is a true story, Paul. So you Paul have this with Simon Pegg, yes. Yeah, and and George Knapp will tell you the story that he had met with this guy in 1991 or 1992, and the guy basically told him this story that this was for real, this live alien thing. And what happens is that this the Senate Appropriations Committee learns about this whole thing, and they they because the 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 story's gone viral. And Senator Byrd on the Senate Appropriations Committee was very interested in UFOs. So he says to his colleagues on the Senate Appropriations Committee, he said, are we doing UFOs at Area 51? Because if we're the guys that hand out the money. And if they're doing UFOs, they haven't told us, and, and we need to know. So they hired this guy by the name of Dick D'Amato. He's a, huh. uh, a lawyer. And they sent him to Area 51, and he actually talks to this guy that George Knapp had, had interviewed, and the guy now he wouldn't talk. And so they actually do this thing, and he goes back and he says to uh, this um, uh, Dick D'Amato, goes back, and he's the one that actually tells um, uh, Jesse Marcel Jr. He says, I, I, I want to talk to you. And Jesse says, well, I, I've talked already. I've said everything I've got to say about Roswell. I've got nothing to add. And he said, well, maybe i got something I want to tell you. And he takes him to the secure conference room in the sub-basement of the Capitol, and he has the book Majestic. And he, the book is sitting on the desk, and he taps the book, and he says to Jesse, I just want to let you know this is for true. And that, that deals with him, deals with Majestic, and it deals with Roswell crash. And he's tapping Whitley Strieber's book, and he says, I just want to let you know this is for true. And Jesse said, I know it's true. So when are you going to, when are you going to disclose? And he said, well, if it's up to me, I, I would have disclosed yesterday, but it's not up to me. I'm just here to determine how much this stuff is costing in terms of security. And uh, so you have this this basic thing where you have all these people confirming this thing, and it just sort of it, it story gets told, people tell the story, and then people just move on to the next story, and that's why we're so easily hoaxed by videos, by crummy mm-hmm. things, is that everybody's always looking for the next story. Everybody's always looking, and they figure we we don't have the story yet. Let's go and let's uh, get the next thing. And so the next video comes up and everybody jumps on the video. Everybody looks at it and then somebody yells hoax and it's oh, okay, it's hoax. And then everybody waits for the next video and the next mummy thing. Right. And everybody jumps on that story. And the whole thing has already happened. If, for example, people will tell me, when the president discloses, then I'm going to believe. And I said, well, it's happened three times and nobody paid any attention. It happened in 1952 when the overflights of Washington took place. They asked Truman on video and, the, and Truman says, 
oh yeah, we 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 brought up that subject with the mil with and every meeting that we had with the military, there was all those kind of things happening at that time, like flying saucers. In 1982, Spielberg, who has always been tied into dropping this stuff for the government, he does ET the extraterrestrial, and he goes. Um, he screens it at the White House. There's 39 people in the room. George Bush is there. The ambassador of Great Britain is there. There's two astronauts there. The head of NASA is there. And at the end of the movie, according to Steven Spielberg on tape, Steven says, Ronald Reagan stands up. He looks around the room as if he's doing a head count. And he said, Stephen, I'd like to thank you for bringing E.T. the extraterrestrial to the White House. And I'd I just want to let you know, there are probably only a couple people in this room that know that everything that was on that screen is absolutely true. And Spielberg said he said it without smiling. And that story went by the wayside. Everybody heard the story, and everybody just went on, looked for the next video, the next uh, you know story, the next sighting. And then in 2015, and this is something I was actually just working on today, that I think there's a chance that uh, Barack Obama in some way may have actually uh, declassified the UFO subject. Because if you, there's a story out right now... Um, that talks about Donald Trump talking about um, financing um, the uh, anti-Saddam forces in Syria. Do you know the story where he says in a speech, we've stopped financing uh, these, these right. people? Right, I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Okay, and, and the word is that if the president mentions a, a black budget program, it immediately is declassified. And so the, you'll see the discussion today in, in the in the media and yesterday about the fact that that Donald Trump declassified this program by mentioning it, and and so I know this is a fact because Annie Jacobson actually brings it up as well that Area 51 was declassified when Podesta went to the White House. He 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 joined the Barack Obama administration. I think it was in December of 2013, the day after he joins the administration. Barack Obama is giving an award to Shirley MacLaine at the Kennedy Center. And he stands up and he says, you know, when you're president, everybody always asks you about Area 51. And I really didn't know what was going on. So I, uh, I gave Shirley MacLaine a phone call to find out what was going on. And everybody laughs and it's a big joke. Now, according to Annie Jacobson, that immediately declassified Area 51. In fact, Barack Obama says in his speech, he says, you know, I'm probably the first president ever to publicly mention Area 51. So Area 51 immediately is declassified. The same as um, Jimmy Carter brought up the stealth fighter, and that immediately declassified the stealth fighter. Now, the thing is, in 2015, this is the third disclosure by the president, and I'm looking at this today, whether um, this actually initiated a disclosure movement inside the U.S. government, because I am told by the people that I'm dealing with that are leaking all this Tom DeLonge stuff, uh, Jim Semivan, Ron Pendolfi, there's six different teams that are leaking stuff at a rapid rate. And I was told the start date was January of 2016. So what happens is in November of 2015, Barack Obama goes on, a, he does an interview with GQ magazine. And he's asked the question about the Book of Secrets. And they say, Mr. President, do you have this secrets? Do you get to know, you know, who killed JFK and all this kind of stuff? And Barack Obama's answer is, you know, Everybody always asks me about Roswald and the UFOs. I just want to let you know that that top secret stuff isn't as secret as you think it is. And so the question is, did he declassify 
this whole thing because it's it's right after there where suddenly you have these six teams that are massively dumping material into the UFO community and you have this announcement supposedly to be made by Tom DeLong within the next couple of days. Of course, it's been going since December trying to raise money. But the word I've heard from the inside is that it's going to be involve a billion dollars. There's massive money going into this. Some of the richest people in the world have dropped money into this whole thing. It's going to involve Steven Spielberg. It's going to be over 100 episodes. It's going to be run by To the Stars, which is his media uh, empire. And there's some major people who are going to come public, and they're going to drop this. And I've heard from, since last fall, big, big, big. It's going to be a major story. And the guy that's running his program is a guy by the name of Jim Semivan, who mm. is an experiencer, who had he had the beings in his room, 1990s. He talks about this in a in a forward to Tom DeLonge's book. Uh, he's a, a guy that that has had experiences with these beings and said it shattered his view of reality. And he said, uh, if the, for people who are going to measure this thing, like in terms of sightings and and nuts and bolts and stuff, he said that the idea that you're going to measure this is laughable. How do you define something where there is no there, there? Right. This has got to do with consciousness. This has got to do with multidimensional stuff, which our science is not able to deal with, which gives you the hint that is a high-level guy who's a briefer to the president of the United States, who's basically saying, we really don't have many answers, that they're basically running the show, and that they, that's why they're shutting down nuclear missiles. And according to Jim Semivan, the story was told the, the president was abducted just to show that they can do this kind of stuff, that they are, they're showing who's in charge of Wait, this. Wait, which thing. president was which abducted? Which president? Yeah, I was going to say, which well, president Jim was Well, Jim Semivan does, the story I heard, Jim Semivan doesn't identify which president it was. All he identifies from the story I heard was that it happens during a news conference and that the news conference is frozen and that every news conference doesn't know what's going on. The president is abducted, the president is brought back. And it's the president that tells everybody, I've, I've been abducted. And then they go through this. But Yvonne Smith tells the story. I could have sworn I saw that in the X-Men movie. <laughs> yeah, because Yvonne Smith tells the story. She tells the story about the Coronado Hotel, 1994. They have she's having a, an experience here conference at the nine, in the 1994 uh, Coronado Hotel, and there's 13 or 14 people abducted. And she's told by she doesn't know who her source is that Clinton. And Clinton was there. He was doing a speech. So the Secret Service people were running around. And she was told that Clinton and two Secret Service people had been abducted. So I immediately asked her, was there a news conference? Did he do a news conference to see whether it was the same story? And she really didn't identify. So I think it's a different one. But you have the story was told by Bud Hawkins of Perez de Cuellar, 1991. And this was a disclosure event as well, that they were going to brief Bush at Kenny Bunkport. They were going to do this big disclosure thing. And they were having these meetings at the UN, there was all these high-level officials there, and the story that Bud Hawkins tells is that Perez de Cuellar is taken out of this convoy of 22 cars. He's abducted in this convoy, and so he tells this story, and so it does appear that they can do this, and the story that I'm told by Kit Green, who's this high, not by him, by two people around him, is that there are high-level people. So if you have experiencers in the public, say there's 10% of people in, in the public that are experiencers, there's going to be 10% of high-level government people. And Jim Semivan is one of them. And there's another who's a controller at NASA who I talked to about his experience, who told me about his experience, about working for NASA, putting stuff on the space shuttle. And the, the download he got was this, an experiment they put on the space shuttle. And he sold his company for $100 million. And he's, But he basically said... There was this being with a hood standing at the end of his bed. 
that when this idea came into his head. So you have these experiencers, and the story I'm told is that if you have a high-level government official who's an experiencer who's talking about abduction-type stuff, they send him to Kit Green. And Kit Green knows the UFO stuff. So he puts them in an MRI machine. He tests them psychologically and stuff like that. He determines, is this person crazy or are they actually an experiencer? And he's also the one that's involved with these people who have been injured. And he claims he's got 100 people and he's contacted a bunch of people. He contacted um, uh, Ryan Dubay and I've talked to him. He runs one of these big groups. And he was contacted by Kit Green. And Kit Green went through this whole program as well, showing him these people who've been injured uh, by UFOs and that they're testing these people. And Kit Green was the guy that tested Yuri Geller, tested uh, Ingo Swan, Pat Price, uh, right, right, Joe McMonigle, right. all these people, put them in MRI machines, got their DNA, that they're doing these tests and they're studying these high-level uh, psychic people and experiencers and they're finding this pattern inside the brain that they call the antenna. And if you read Annie Jacobson's book, uh, the Phenomena, you go to page 394 to 400 and you can read these six pages where she talks about this UFO stuff, where Kit Green's working on this UFO stuff. And she's not writing about UFO, she's writing about paranormal phenomena. And so you see these same guys, these same Avery guys, uh, you know, Alexander and Putoff and uh, Jacques Vallée and it's the same group of people with that are, Annie Jacobson mentions, the same people that I follow. And so when they talk about UFOs, any of these people talk about UFOs, I listen very carefully because these people have an inside track on what's going on. And they, they, they have classifications, so they may have talked about certain things, but they are communicating with each other. And I will absolutely maintain that there is a program uh, to get this stuff out, and it started in January of 2016. They have deadlines to this thing. They're not experimenting. They know exactly what they're going to do, and the Tom DeLong thing is one. Uh, there's um, a, a documentary that's going to be done on the Avery. I heard uh, it was on Open Minds Forum. It looks like it's going to be uh, five segments where they're going to do, they're going to talk to all these government people who were involved in this disclosure thing over the year, and they're going to interview these people and do actual interviews, and they're going to talk about the portal and all this kind of stuff. So there's all these different programs uh, of, of in Hollywood where they're trying to put this stuff out. Or an example I brought up was there's these six shows that suddenly have portals in it. And what's the chances? Is this random that suddenly they start, start sticking portals in, in TV shows? Or is like Chase Brandon, who was the liaison to Hollywood, who wrote this book on, on, Ro on Roswell. And he said, if you want to, if you want a good read, read the book. If you want to learn something, read between the lines. And this was a book that was reviewed by the CIA at least twice. And he had to change stuff according to the CIA. And he basically said Roswell was real. He's still advising Hollywood. This guy is still there. He's just no longer in the white world CIA. He's, he's under contract. So he's in the black world CIA. And it's plausible deniability. And he may be the guy that's putting these portal things. And so the idea, when you see all these ideas in movies, you wonder where are they getting it? Are, is there people from CIA putting this stuff in? to raise these ideas that people start thinking about portals, they start thinking about interdimensionality, they start thinking about all this kind of stuff, and they're acclimatizing people to get them ready. Because they're people will say... They're, they're conditioning us. Uh, that's yeah. how it is, Grant. Grant, we, we, we ran a little bit over time. We, we actually uh, are uh, right now on borrowed time, and uh, we have to get to the uh, to the end here, unfortunately. We, have, we definitely want to have you back on soon, because, man, let me tell you, uh, talking to you, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, not only a lot of fun, but it's a well of information. Uh, Very and, uh, much so. 
I think you're definitely onto something with the portal stuff there because uh, this is something that I've been seeing more and more. Uh, not only talked about on this show, but talked about in general. And uh, you're absolutely right. There's uh, more movies and TV shows that are, that are showing this uh, kind of technology, which is very interesting. Like I said, I saw an episode a couple of nights ago of uh, this one uh, TV show, uh, 112363, I think it's the name of it, uh, which deals with portals, just like you're talking about. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's that. Give the audience uh, where they can find your work and follow and follow uh, your um, your work and uh, where they can get the book, which obviously Amazon is in one place, right? Yeah, my Amazon my Amazon page uh, lists all the the books that um, that I have. The latest one is the Charlie Red Star book, which tells the story of how I got involved in 1975 and dragged down the rabbit mm-hmm. hole. Uh, and I have a I just have started a, uh, a YouTube channel, uh, White House UFO, where we're putting we're going to put a lot of stuff on there that uh, load that. And then I have the Presidential UFO website, which has a lot of historical stuff. I haven't really put anything on there. Uh, I've got a couple Donald Trump articles, but I really haven't put it much on there lately. I'm I'm doing more of the uh, YouTube stuff and stuff like that because because a lot of people don't have the attention span to read through the stuff. So we're going to do some yeah. real short, uh, uh, YouTube stuff on various questions. That's a good idea. Excellent. Have you seen that see, that TV series uh, Eleven Twenty Three Sixty Three, the uh, one with James Franco dealing with uh, with the Kennedy assassination? No, I, I I never watch TV ever. I, I suggest I always, I, I, I always have the. I don't even watch science fiction movies because I don't want to confuse what I saw on TV with what I learned through regular channels. Uh, so I, I, I can just, definitely respect that. I can definitely respect that. But, I mean, I would make an exception. This is a, it's a fascinating TV series. Uh, again, like always, Grant, thank you so much for being with us, man. It's a, a, always a pleasure yeah. to have you on here at Skywatchers. And, again, I have to, you know, we have to have you on back soon, uh, not a year apart, but a lot sooner than that so we can continue this conversation because it's always fascinating when you're on here with us. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining uh, our, our show here tonight. And, uh, other guy, thank you for making it all the way through the end with me. Good you're job. welcome. Thank you. Excellent work by you. We'll be back next week here on Skywatchers Radio. And guys, stick around. Doctor J, who's a little bit late, thanks. Uh, you know, uh, thanks to him, uh, he's all he's all good, and uh, he's going to be on in the next couple minutes here. So uh, stick around on PSN Radio for that. Until next time, this is Skywatchers Radio. And like I always say, keep your eyes in the skies, and uh, maybe you'll see some. Good night, everybody. Take care, and uh, until next time.